Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Stephanie Smile is like a white woman in a Mexican restaurant. Please, she just told the waitress, gracias. <laughs> Hun, did you hear me? I got the corn tortillas. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rich Rage. Jesus Christ, log off and go to work. What are you doing? And we are live on the flagship podcast. That is Joe Lanza. I am Rich Crate. Joe, how are you doing? That is Joe Lanza. That I, is Joe Lanza. We haven't said anything yet, but but they know. You're there. They know. <laughs> I guess the new listeners would know, but they'll know soon. They'll know soon enough. Yes, they will. That Joe Lanza <laughs> has arrived. What's going on? You're back. Uh, we already talked. We talked after the, you know, we did the, uh, Interaction live for AW Collision. So I, I know you're back from the vacation, so I'm not even going to do the empty platitudes of how was your vacation, Joe? How was the beach? So we're not, we don't have to do that. We already did that. We already got through that. Your cough's back. Uh, I guess I, we'll, we'll update on the cough. Is the cough back? Is it still there? Has it left? Is it coming and going? Where's the cough? Give us cough. Cough's watch. gone. Cough gates. Cough cough's gate. What's gone. going on here? It's gone again? Cough's gone. Wow. Haven't coughed since Saturday. Not once during the uh, Thursday Dynamite Review? Up at uh, flagshippatreon.com, not once? Not one time. Wow, Listen. okay. Cough's gone. There it is, good. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. Uh, early early uh, returns in the uh, note of chat room saying, the casual listeners will not know who you are unless I properly introduce you. So that's why I have to tell them that you're, you're that's Joe Lanza, just in case. They turn into in corn cobs because then they're going to hear another voice and they're going to be like, oh God, who's that? What's going on in this podcast? And then they're going to leave and never come back, so. What would be in my video package? Um, probably you making a meatballs or something. Um, making meatballs, <laughs> a pot of gravy on the on a Sunday. It's your Sunday tradition, right? The pot of gravy or sauce. I don't know if you're a gravy. I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, household you're in. If you have to say gravy or whatever for the, uh... <laughs> the sauce guy. <laughs> your sauce. Okay, just want to make sure. I, I know it's a very divided, very divided. I, I didn't want to offend, so I, I just decided to go with both of them. Um, yeah, I don't know what would be in your. Yeah, you'd be pacing in your den, clapping during like an Ishi match or something, or just some sort of strike exchange in a Japanese wrestling match, making meatballs, making gravy, making sauce. Yeah, I don't know what else. Mm-hmm. Some offensive tweets, maybe. <laughs> to, uh... <laughs> uh, sure. Maybe a little fist pump. A little fist pump at the end of a big Reds victory. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, oh, you, you know? cheering on your your your. I mean, the, will the Reds ever lose? I guess is the question, Joe. 
the answer to that is no. They, they I think they're going to go undefeated the rest of the year. I mean, it, it, it stands to reason. I mean, it makes sense that they would because they haven't lost in, what, two weeks? Basically? More? Where are we at now? 10? 11? 11. 11 in a row for the Reds. Man, how does that feel? You know how hard it is to win 11 games in a row? They're very difficult. You know the last time they won 11 games in a row? 1957. <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably like predates the Big Red Machine. I'm sure I'm sure you were giving me that fun fact because like the Big Red Machine never did that either to prove how hard it was. They never did that. They last won 10 in a row in 2012. They last lost a game on June 9th. That's a long time ago, man. That's Dominion. That was Dominion, right? Wasn't Dominion on June 9th this year? Something like that. That feels like so long ago, right? <laughs> Dominion. <laughs> Yotsuji was getting a world title shot. Uh, actually, Dominion this year was uh, June 4th. But but still, that's not that far, you know, close enough. Yeah, close enough. Close enough to give you the understanding of how long it was since the uh, the stalwart Reds lost a game. So there you go. Yeah, feels good. I bet. How the yeah, White Sox? How the White Sox? Uh, <laughs> just as good, I'm sure. I haven't uh, haven't looked. I imagine they also have won 11 in a row. It's just not getting as much coverage. Um, not as good, Joe. Not well, did good. you did you see we finally settled Luis Robert Gate? It's Robert. Yeah, I think we we came to that conclusion on this very show, I believe. Yeah, but like no one else. Yeah, you know, he had to clarify. Did you see that a few weeks ago? I did because there was the the, the long held like Robert, <laughs> Luis Robert. And it's like why would it be Robert? Yeah, so he put an end to that. He's like, it's not Robert, it's Robert. My name's Robert. Yeah, he did that a couple years ago, but that was like more in like the White Sox media that he did that. But I think this year, because he is like one of the best center fielders in baseball uh, and probably going to go to the All-Star game and, and maybe even, you know, I, I think he's like low in the voting because who the hell would for a White Sox player uh, in this year's All-Star game. But he's, I, I think he's realizing he's getting to a level where people now need to know how to say his name. So now, yeah, he's, he's letting everybody know. Please, please call me by my actual name and not whatever you think my last name is pronounced like. But uh, far be it from us to, to try to tell somebody how to pronounce something on this very show, which very often yeah, I don't does think not he, pronounce things right. I don't think he advanced to stage two of the voting. Uh, no, no, he did not. I think it was eighth among center fielders or outfielders or whatever, which is pretty bad. But uh, I wouldn't vote for White Sox players for the All-Star game anyway. They should they should actually be shut out. I know there, there needs to be a representative from every team, but I, I think I feel like the Royals, they don't get one. The Athletics, I don't know. Send Tony Kemp or something like that over. I forget who's even on the Oakland Athletics anymore. I don't even know. And then you, yeah, I got... you you do not want to send. I think Tony Kemp's batting like one eighteen. <laughs> I don't think he's the guy. <laughs> I wish I was exaggerating too. No, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, they they, they should get a batting... guy if you're eighteen and fifty five or whatever. You don't get an all star. I'm sorry, you just don't. Tony Kemp's hitting one eighty one. Um, what's he on base though? Don't tell me what's he on base though, Joe. Uh, like 250. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's not about getting hits. It's about not making outs, but uh, he appears to be making a lot of outs, too. So I think Brent Rooker. Brent Rooker. Oh, OK. I Brent definitely know Rooker. who that is. I definitely know who Brent Rooker is. Yeah, He's got 13 homers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Household name. Brent, Brent Rooker. Yeah. I mean, I got to take somebody. I <laughs> see. I think they don't. That's the all star game. Who cares? Have mm. a little fun with it. It's for the kids, Rich. Ah, kids don't There's care. Some, who, who, some what kids care somewhere. about the All-Star game anymore? They don't care. It's your chance to see the stars from the other, from the other league. <laughs> Finally play Rich. one another, yes, except for they play each other all the time now, including every single team plays every other team. But this is your one and only opportunity to see Shohei Atani rub shoulders with Mookie Betts. It's only going to be here in the All-Star game. Only time you can see it. So, yeah, you're right. 
Brent Rooker, 1.3 war. Okay. Through uh, 65 games. That's their best guy, 1.3 war. I don't know if he leads the team in war, but. Uh, probably <laughs> not far off. At least. I think he's, I think he's been their best player in the first half. Okay. I've watched a lot of A's baseball. Like willingly Don't or you just, why. just, yeah, you just, just the ridiculousness well, of them is probably what's doing it for you. I enjoy watching bad teams. I'm, I do I'm, it in football too. I always give a screen to like, like, you know, I watched the Houston Texans all year last year. I like, I have a perverse Thing where I enjoy watching bad teams. I watch the A's almost every night. Bad baseball is tough. They play in the West Coast. Bad baseball's a different animal, though. But yeah, I guess you're right because they play the West Coast. I, I I used to grow up watching a lot of A's games as well because you pop on, you know, ESPN or MLB Network, you know, 11 p.m. or whatever, and you're either gonna get a Dodgers game, an Angels game, or an Athletics game, most likely. And during most of my life, the Athletics were were decent enough that they'd usually play them and. MTS arena, <laughs> you know, the Coliseum with like one guy with a drum and it's like this drone. It was always very good to fall asleep to. I always love falling asleep to Oakland A's games. It always had that kind of like, they'd be like a doom, 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 doom. Like one guy in the, in, the, in the outfield, you know, banging a drum or whatever. Like, I love the Oakland A's, but uh, well, the soon to be Las Vegas A's, unfortunately, but maybe, sort of. Yes. We'll yes. Why is everyone wound up about that? I don't give a shit if they move. Um. Yeah. Like, I, do you really care? Do you really care as a sports fan if the A's move? Like, if you're not an A's fan, why would you care? I don't. Yeah, I don't really care. Right. Like, I. I it, it's odd to me that people get so worked up about that. Like, they've played in three different cities. You know, yeah, it's they not were, even they in Oakland. They're not even in Oakland. Like, they didn't begin in Oakland. <laughs> they, just, they moved. That's to what Oakland. I mean. Yeah. Like, they were the Philadelphia A's, the Kansas City A's, and. Now the A now Oak now you know the remaining fans in Oakland are like, ah, they're stealing our team. You stole the team. <laughs> right. You stole the team. You stole the team from Kansas City. You know, like like you know, you can't that's a card you can't play if you're an A's fan. Now, if if you were a team that was in a city for 130 years, right? Yeah, if if my White Sox decided to, you know, pack up town and go to, you know, Nashville or whatever, I'd probably be like, Well, that kind of yeah. sucks. They've been around here for 120 fucking years. What are we doing? Yeah, you could play the card of that's our team. Right. But there's there's ace there's like Kansas City Ace fans in Kansas City that are still alive. Yeah, they didn't like they move were in there the in the 30s. Late 60s. Yeah. yeah, they didn't move in the thirties. It was the sixties, yeah. You know, Oakland's not some bastion of baseball history where it's like you have to have a baseball team in Oakland. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into the whole issue of it because you know, obviously the owner's a dirtbag and you know, but I'm not all wound up about the A's moving. They're like they're a vagabond franchise anyway. This will be their fourth city. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not that wound up about it. I, it usually bothers me when teams move because I like the history and all that. I don't care about. Well, that's similar to the Las Vegas Raiders. Like you can't really be like, oh no, the Raiders. Ah, it's like they bounce around every ten years. Who cares. The kind of sucks though that Vegas took both of their teams. Right? Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's fine. They can have them. But. But again, the Raiders too. Al Davis bounced back and forth from L.A. to Oakland. That's what I just said. Yeah, it's not like you could be like, God you damn know? it, the Oakland institution that is the Raiders. It's like, no, they, they came and went all the time. Although they were in Oakland first and then went to L.A. and then came back. But, you know, I get the idea. But, uh, no, like the A's got to Oakland like 10 minutes ago. Why? I, I don't know. I, I'm not really bothered by it. Nobody goes to the games. They don't draw. They never draw. Even when they're good, they don't draw. So all of a sudden, now their fans are all wound up. They've had good teams there. They're, you know, under this ownership, they've had really good teams. 
they just don't keep them together for a long time. And maybe you could argue, I said I wasn't going to get into it. Now I got into it. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could argue that the fans know they're going to get burned. So it's like, but if you look at their attendance, they never draw 2 million. They've drew 2 million fans in 2014. I'm looking at it now. And even with all those playoff teams, it's always they always draw under two million fans. You got to well, go all the way back to two thousand five. Yeah, it is hard when your team fucking guts and trades everybody immediately. So I, yeah, that's I, what I, I mean. You I don't get, trust them to keep. I, the I wouldn't together. trust season yeah. tickets for Oakland either because yes, they had a lot of great years in there, but very often you'd get like, hey, this guy is good, and now he's traded. Okay, great. Matt Chapman's good, uh, yeah. and now he's gone. Okay, great. <laughs> it's just every time a guy got good, it seemed like the clock had started on, okay, when are we going to trade our best player to you know, acquire new prospects? And, and, yes, they were able to kick that can down the road for a number of years, almost 20 years basically doing that exact same strategy until finally it just, yeah, we have what we have now where it's just like, all right, we're not going to actually acquire good players or develop any good players anymore. Now we're just going to fucking lose, and no one's going to comment so we can move and, and end this once and for all. But no, Oakland doesn't want to build them a stadium. They don't want to stay in. It's fine. You know, it, I'm, I'm good with it. Move on. They basically had three waves. They had the money ball teams in the early 2000s, right, that were really good. Everybody knows about those teams. Uh, Zito, Mulder, Hudson, you know, Giambi, Giambi leaves. Everybody saw the movie. So that's the first wave. Then they were bad for a couple of years. Then they had that second wave, the uh, – I guess the Josh Donaldson team. Would you call them the Josh Donaldson? Yeah, teams probably. Yeah, early... probably those. Yeah, that that era, and that was an era where they had like mercenary. They'd bring up new guys all the time and stuff. But but yeah, they always always found a way to kind of yeah. Josh Donaldson's probably the best representative of that team. But yeah, there's there's a few guys you could probably put in that. And then you had the recent, you know, ninety to ninety five win A's that the the the, the Olson Chapman, um, Simeon, you know that group Bassett. Mm-hmm. That one they just broke up, basically. That's the one that, yeah, like, as Matt Olsen is still, like, in his prime and, like, 25 years old, they're like, well, sir, we have to trade this guy. <laughs> There's no way. We can't keep this guy on our roster. It's like, all right, now we're done here. We're, let's yeah. all just move on. It's over. So, basically, the last 20 years they've had, tw- last 20 to 25 years, they've had, like, three waves of teams that were pretty good. You just had to suffer for two or three years in between when they would get rid of them all before free agency is basically what it was. Um. You know, and now they're really, really awful. They're as bad as they've ever. I mean, this year's team might be one of the worst teams of all time. It's it's certainly in the, in, the, in, the, in the conversation, definitely. They won six games in a row a couple weeks ago, and <laughs> they, they have 19, 19 wins. 55 or whatever. I know. I couldn't believe that because I, I remember that they had won in that little winning streak. So I was like, I got to see what the record is. They still only have 19 wins. They still haven't gotten to 20 wins yet. <laughs> it's June yeah. 22nd. It's brutal. Like the Royals aren't much better. Like no. the Royals are escaping people's wrath, but like they're just as bad. Welcome to Voices of Major League Baseball. <laughs> right, right. Uh, we'll get to the NBA draft here in a moment as well. <laughs> so we'll break down the uh, uh, shocking number one overall pick of uh, never nervous Purvis Ellison. Joe, uh, any thoughts on on that big, uh, a stunning selection of uh, your boy? Well, never nervous, yeah. That's an over and back topic, wouldn't it? It would Purvis be. Ellison. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Was There's... 86, 87, somewhere in there. I believe I was, I was actually curious about doing this. It, it would take up way too time and uh, way too much time. We've already spent enough time doing like, you know, bullshit baseball talk. I thought it'd be actually interesting to have you go over like NBA. Cause I want to find the exact moment when you stopped caring about the NBA and stopped really following. He was 1989 for the record, by the way. But, uh, uh, like going through every first pick of every draft and like 
pinpointing the exact moment where Joe Lanza stopped following the NBA, but that's probably not the most exciting topic on a wrestling podcast. So we're not going to do that, especially after we just talked probably about Matt Chapman and Matt Olson and, 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 but, but yeah, feel free to shoot some at me. I, th- I think I got a pretty good uh, catalog knowledge over and back NBA.com, by the way, over and back class. NBA what, podcast. what year was the Kobe draft? The Kobe draft was 1996 for Kobe Bryant. Was it, was it really? Yeah. Wow. Then I, I've kind of, Oh, that's I it. Disconnected <laughs> it's 96. No, 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 no. I, I'm using that as like a tent pole because it was it wasn't long after that where the NBA lost my interest. So okay. probably the early 2000s. Well, you you, you so could certainly do the 96. Years. You could. I know you could do the 96 number one overall pick. Uh, 96 overall pick. Iverson. Yeah, there you go. Georgetown. Come on. I was at that draft. It was at the Meadowlands. <laughs> oh, yeah? Hell yeah. I've always wanted to go to a draft. That'd be awesome. Iverson, Kerry Kittles, that's the year, right? Yeah, that's a great uh, year. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, Allen uh, Iverson, uh, Marcus Camby, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Stefan Marbury, Ray Allen, Antoine Walker. What a top six, man. What a top six. Uh, Lorenzen Wrights, you know, okay, they're not Kerry Kittles, we're back. Were you rooting, were you hooting and hollering for Kerry Kittles and your Nets? Or were you guys, were you uh, like a shitty New York crowd that just boos everybody? I know, I thought that was a good pick. Yeah. I mean, I was, because Kittles, I watched him a ton in college. The thing was, I would have been – I knew we weren't going to get Iverson, but um, I would have been okay with Kittles or Ray Allen. Ray Allen was a beast at UConn. Yeah, he was. But um, that was one of those drafts where you recognized every player from being a star in college. You don't have drafts like that anymore. No. You know, now, sure. now you get <laughs> a seven foot five freak from France going number one. Then guys from like whatever this developmental league is, these these guys from the Ignite. You, you got the you got the G League Ignite, and then you also have the Overtime Elite. Do you know what the Overtime Elite is? Yeah, it's like with all this bullshit, <laughs> and it's like no, but it 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 hurts to me the entertainment value of the draft when you don't know who the hell the players are. Like you just ran off the first eight picks of the nineteen ninety six draft. And I can vividly remember watching every one of those guys play in college. Right. Georgetown, Until UMass, like California, seniors. Georgia Tech, UConn, Kentucky, Memphis, Villanova, Louisville. Yeah, you know all those dudes. Samaki Walker and they all, at and, Louisville. And, yeah, yeah. They all, and they all played until they were juniors or seniors. And they all had they all played the NCAA tournament. And you could watch the draft and be like, oh, I've seen that guy. I think they should pick this guy because I like his rebounding. Like, you knew the players. You don't know these fucking guys anymore playing for G League Ignites. Like if you say you know them, you're 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 lying. Like you're just <laughs> or, you know, or you're a freak. Or you're like one of the you know and, and I know these guys, but I'm a freak. I, I fully declare myself a, a freak. But even then, like I have a certain level of, of freakdom that that yeah, like another guy from France just got picked and I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. He was like the seventh overall just happened. He just got picked a few minutes ago and I'm like, I've no earth idea who that guy yeah. is. Never never heard of him. <laughs> Apparently he plays yeah, hard to it, I, I don't know. I watched I watched some of those games. I don't remember this guy at all, but he's the seventh overall pick, so good for them. As a fan, like you're supposed to be excited about that if you're a fan of the team that picked like I don't know this fucking guy. All right. You know, it's uh I don't know. I used to really get into drafts hardcore. I just I can't do it anymore because I can't pretend to know what these guys bring to the table. It's fair. Same thing with the NFL. I love the NFL, but I can't pretend to know what Snodgrass, the guard from Nebraska, brings <laughs> to the table. Because I'm not paying attention to Snod. I've never watched Snodgrass play guard at, at Nebraska. Why? Why am I going to be like, oh, that's a great pick? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I I'm, I'm grading us an A because we took Snodgrass in the first round. He's going to fit in perfectly at the right tackle spot. I'm sure of it. It's like you don't know. No, I don't know, and I don't pretend to know. Like I used to pretend. I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't. You know what I mean? Like, 
I have to see these guys play first. Only Tyler Fornes knows. He's the only one who knows. Nobody else knows. <laughs> like, like you can't, you, you can't, you know, I'm not breaking down film in my basement like Fornes. I don't have time for that. You know, I don't know nothing about Snodgrass. Good to bad so, and the uh, uh, AW Podcast here on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network as well. Fun crossover episode this week with uh, uh, Joel from the Super Jcast as well. So crossover between our AEW and New Japan podcast, as AEW and New Japan are going to do this weekend as well. Now, I didn't mean to get that into it. Do you want me to go that? Are you done with draft talk, or or do you want me to go right into I think, it? I think we did just enough off topic to where the people who like it got a taste, mm-hmm. a little and sample. the people who don't like it are just about ready to get frustrated. So I think we should move yeah, on. Yeah, because if we started going into, like, Samaki Walker talk, it's like, okay, <laughs> we're done. We're oh, done I here. Could do so. I would oh, love I know. to do Samaki Oh, I know. I, I'm aware would... you could. Yes, I know. Because I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the 1996 NBA draft. For some reason, Samaki Walker's name comes up, and I'm like, I, we, could do, we could do 15 minutes on Samaki Walker for sure. But I'm not going to. Window is closed. We're done. We're moving on. But you mentioned Tyler Fornes. Um host of the good and the bad the hungry aw podcast on the voice wrestling podcast network as i mentioned did an incredible crossover episode uh this week with joel from the super j cast which is a perfect way to segue to what's going on this weekend aw and new japan pro wrestling's forbidden door we're going to preview it from top to bottom every single match give our predictions our picks and talk about what looks like it's going to be a hell of a show which we are going to talk about our coverage as well uh this weekend so stick around for that we'll get to that in just a moment also going to do uh, upcoming AEW lineups, Owen Hart's uh, tournament brackets. We got Collision Episode 2, uh, the lineup for this Saturday's show. We got AEW Collision Episode 3 uh, in Hamilton on, on, on the 29th. We have that episode all ready to go uh, in terms of um, – I don't know if I have that date right. I don't think I do. I think it's the first. But um, men's Owen Hart bracket, women's Owen Hart bracket. We got all the stuff going on with AEW, tons of stuff going on in uh, AEW. Uh, we're also going to touch on a little bit of indie wrestling as well, including the news that came out this week uh, that AC Mack was stepping away from wrestling. And we wanted to do a little segment about him because he's somebody that that we've always really, really liked. And we've done multiple segments on this show kind of talking about him and and, uh, and wondering, you know, why he isn't getting bigger than he is or why, you know, he doesn't seem to be excelling at this business that he's very, very good at. And and just so we're going to talk a little bit about that because now he is uh, maybe not retiring, but like he says, stepping away uh, from the world of professional wrestling. Then we're going to get into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling as well. It's been a while since we dug into All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, they had a big show on the 17th, including a Triple Crown title match uh, between Nagata uh, and Yuma Anzai that we're going to talk about. And also some other matches as well, some uh, good uh, tag matches on the undercard. So uh, some things happening in All Japan Pro Wrestling. So we are going to get into that. Uh, and then Noah as well. Noah's got their N1 victory tournament coming up. Uh, in a couple of months here, August 6th is when it starts, but we do have the blocks. Uh, there's some pretty interesting names in those blocks and some uh, interesting people uh, coming into NOAA for the N1 Victory uh, Tour this year. So all that uh, coming up here on the flagship podcast. But, Joe, let's get right into it with Forbidden Door. It's the best way to start. Uh, obviously, you did your Thursday uh, Dynamite Review on uh, flagshippatreon.com, of course, $5 tier. Uh, if you want to listen to that, uh, and you went over the lineup a little bit, talked about the build, and I was at Dynamite last night, so it was a hell of a show to go to. Really, really enjoyed that. It sounds like you uh, enjoyed it as well. Uh, but yeah, what, what's your you know before we go match by match and kind of talk about you know what what's going on on Forbidden Door? Like, what's your temperature on the show this year? Because last year was you know as as many people will remember and and, and discussed during the uh, AW Media Call uh, uh, this afternoon as well is that there was so many weird. 
there was a lot of weird vibes around Forbidden Door last year. It was the uneasiness of AEW New Japan. Like, are they really getting along? Like, why is this thing happening? And then it was just injury after injury after injury after injury. And it's like, what is what is this card even going to be? And the end result was like one of the best pay-per-views of all time. <laughs> like, clearly the show of the year last year uh, featured some just incredible matches, incredible atmosphere, incredible moments. And, man, you go into this year, and I don't know about your vibe, Joe, but I am just like counting the hours down until the show comes. I cannot wait for Forbidden Door this year. This card looks amazing on paper. Really only one match that you can point to that really got disrupted by injuries. Uh, they pretty much were smart about everybody else and just said nobody else do anything until we're ready uh, for these big matches here. But, man, I am pumped up. Knowing what we got last year, knowing what all these wrestlers are capable of, how can you not be just like a 10 out of 10 excited for Forbidden Door? I just I, I don't understand how you can't be, especially with, you know, the top three matches that we're going to talk about here uh, in a moment. But what, what's your temperature on Forbidden Door? Yeah, the the card looks great. The card on paper, obviously, is way better than the card on paper last year. And what's funny is, you know, I still feel like last year's will be hard to top because last year was such was such a great show. Um but I do think that what we're pretty much guaranteed with what we're pretty much guaranteed this year is that the this show will have a higher ceiling than last year's. Last year's was just a great top to bottom show including the pre-show. But it didn't top out with a match of the year contender. I think most people would agree that the Will Ospreay Orange Cassidy match was the best match on the show. Um, that was not any kind of consensus match of the year contender. There were some people who thought it was at that level. Everyone thought it was, you know, a great match. But you've got a couple of matches at the top of this card, which can top out, which everyone expects to top out the match of the year level, and it would be disappointing if the top two matches were not match of the year contenders, it would mean that those matches didn't meet expectations, which is wild. And one of them is a rematch of, I think the clubhouse leader for match of the year with Osprey and Omega and their first match at wrestle kingdom. You know, a lot of people think that was one of the greatest matches ever. Um, I know I do. And then you have a legitimate, legitimate, dream match in the real sense of the word you know i know the wrestling world had a dream match debate when kenny omega took on vikingo uh on television several weeks back and you know or several months back at this point and that was more of a marketing hook to sell a television match for tony khan not that it wasn't a match that people were looking forward to but it wasn't a dream match on the level of Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada. You know, as Khan said on the media call today, that's that's a legitimate dream match in that, you know, that's a top 0.01% match that hasn't happened yet that that people have wanted for many years. So with those two matches alone, this card should top out and hit a higher ceiling than last year's show. But it's not going to be easy to match last year's show as a top-to-bottom experience, especially with how hot the Chicago crowd was. Toronto is really going to have to bring it. And I think Toronto is capable of bringing it. Oh, for because sure. They're a, good res- they're a great wrestling city, too. But I don't know if they're Chicago. You know, that, that crowd really elevated that show last year. And 
there was just a certain energy and I, and, you know, I don't know if the second time around you could really capture the same vibes or energy, but um, the on paper lineup is incredible and it would shock no one if it's the show of the year again, because last year's show was, and you know, it's rare to have a, a pro wrestling show of the year that doesn't have a legitimate match of the year contender right. on it. And last year's didn't, you know, so this year's could have multiple legitimate match of the year contenders and matches we're talking about for decades on top of everything else. And and the rest of the card obviously looks, it ranges from looking great to solid, you know, up and down, up and down the card. So uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know if, if you're the kind of person who listens to this podcast, I don't know how you can't be extremely excited about this show. It looks like it's going to be phenomenal. Right. I mean, to, to show you how just loaded this show is, you have CM Punk and Satoshi Kojima, which is like, I don't know, at best, fifth from the top, right? <laughs> like, like it's probably the fifth or sixth. Like, you got Blackpool Combat Club and Elite. You got – it just it, – it, like, that's a match that, like, as they were announcing it, I was like, wow, we don't need that. There's enough already. But, I mean, I'll take it. It's fine if you guys want to do that too. Great. Like, that's what I'm thinking last night is they just keep adding more good matches. I'm like, all right, you don't have to. We already have enough good matches. But if you want to add one more, sure, go for it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do BCC versus Elite again. Yeah, sure, you want Punk and Kojima. Ah, great. Great. Keep doing it. Keep going. I mean, it, 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 the one thing that might play out is the expectations going in because, you know, like I said, I'm like a 10 out of 10 on this show. Like, I cannot wait. Counting the hours down. Just just waiting and, and, and just cannot, cannot contain the excitement that I have for Sunday to come and for Bindor to start. That it might be a victim of its own expectations. Wherein it not being a show, like, and not being an, oh, my God, that's one of the greatest shows I've ever seen will make it seem like it was a disappointing show, whereas last year was just like, look, I don't know, I even know how the show came together. I hope everybody just makes it out alive. Like, do you remember that? Like, I'd, I'd have to go back and listen to our preview last year. We probably had like the look, just get this thing over with and move on type of because it was like the most snake bitten show ever. Injuries across the board and weird stuff going on between every. I mean, it's just such a weird, weird, weird show. And I think we were just probably like, just get it over with and move on and like, hopefully everything's okay and everyone survives and then you can just get on with the rest of your year, or whatever. And then the end result was like a really, really, really fun show and a really interesting show. So. That helped that we really had almost no expectations for last year's show and then ended up exceeding them, you know, greatly. Whereas this year, I think because everything went right and everything went mostly right, that we're going to go in thinking, okay, this is definitely going to be the show of the year. And if it's even a slightly, you know, slight tinge less than show of the year, then people might say, ah, yeah, it was really good. But I don't know. I was expecting a little bit better. I don't know. Like, I don't see, like you said, I don't see how I can think that when there's Omega and Osprey and there's Danielson and Okada. And the floor for those are some of the best matches of the entire year. And I guess we'll really, if, if at the end of that, we do our instant reaction live after forbidden door. And if Omega and Osprey one of, or, or both, if they're not both like, these are some of the best matches we've seen all year, then maybe the show will be a disappointment. But I just, I, I can't with those dudes, with those four names that I just mentioned there, I'm not betting against those guys. You're going to bet against Omega and Osprey. You're going to bet against no, Danielson and Okada. I'm not betting against those guys. No. Are you kidding me? No, those matches are definitely going to be great. Look, Here's, here's what's weird about it. And let me try to make sure this makes sense. If this year's show is exactly as good as last year's show, it will be considered a disappointment, even though last year's show was the show of the year. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. Because 
on paper, it should be better than last year's show. But my whole thing is, I don't know how you can be that much better than last year's show. So, you know, but but the perception, if the, if those top two matches deliver, you know, this show, what the edge that this year's show will have is that it's going to have two super high-end matches while last year's show really didn't have one. Uh, and I guess in some people's eyes, maybe it had one, but you get what I'm saying. So that's the weird thing. I think it kind of helped last year. I'm not saying that last year's show wasn't great because it was, but I did think the the lowered expectations helped it. Oh yeah, we because... came in just saying like, "Hey man, I don't know what the hell this thing's gonna be, but whatever." You know what I mean? Like, let's just get it over with, and maybe it'll be fun, maybe it'll be great. Who knows? And yeah, the I, narrative I... coming in was how snake bit it was. Yeah, and if you recall, it, it wasn't even all the it wasn't even losing CM Punk and Brian Danielson and all of these big stars. But they even right up to the day of the show, they were losing people off of the show. You know, so it's uh, like Hiromu, right, who was supposed to work the show. And and I think he got pulled like the weekend of the show. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was just up and down. The, it was just and, and again, I've said this many times. One day, Tony Khan is going to tell the true story. The true behind the scenes tale. A book can be written of how that show came together last year. And we didn't get the first draft, second draft, third draft. We may not have even have gotten the fourth draft of what that show was supposed to be at the end of the day. And I thought people and I and this is not with the benefit of hindsight, because I was saying it in real time that I thought people were way too hard on Tony Khan in terms of the build to that show. That was an impossible, impossible task because not just every week, but almost every day there was a new twist and turn in terms of who was going to be able to work the show, who wasn't, who was injured, who got hurt, who knew Japan was going to have available. They weren't even positive they were going to have Okada available for that last go-home until, like, the, the, the day of. I mean, it was just flying by the seat of his pants every day to try to put anything together, and then it ended up being one. That, to me, in terms of putting a pay-per-view together, that's his greatest accomplishment, Tony Khan, with all the great pay-per-views he's had. Because that show last year had so much adversity attached to it with all the problems. And then it sold every ticket. It did the great pay-per-view number, which I'll pat myself on the back for that, for predicting that as well. Um, And now they have an event that because that one was so great, this year sold out instantly and they really picked too small of a building. They just undersold themselves on that. And I know they're up over 13,000 now and they keep opening up new sections and they'll probably have about 13, five in that building when, when it all said and done, if they keep opening up new seats, but they probably could have run some kind of small stadium or something for that show. And if this one's great again, I can't imagine they're going to run another 10,000 seater. At some point you have to take this thing into a stadium and roll the dice and see if you can do 30,000 people for this because, and maybe you won't, but I, I think it's worth a try because the first two shows have had an enormous amount of interest. And if they're both great, people are just going to assume next year is going to be great because why wouldn't you? They still have numerous dream matches, potential dream matches on the table. Oh, plenty. Okada was in a Okada was on a four way last year. You know what I mean? Like Punk got injured, and this year he's wrestling Satoshi Kojima. No disrespect to Satoshi Kojima, he might you know he's one of my all time favorite wrestlers, but that isn't any kind of special money drawing match. 
they have so many legitimate dream matches still on the table. So, you know, if this show is great and it should be, they got to shoot. They got to aim higher next year. Let's uh, let's go over the card now uh, a little bit uh, and, and, and kind of break down and give uh, some predictions of, of what's going to go down. So uh, we have, of course, the top two matches. We'll, we'll start out with those, and, and I'll start with what I believe is being billed as the main event, or at least I, I think I heard that right. I'm assuming after the go-home of, of Dynamite in the final segment uh, of Dynamite, this is your main event. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada is, like you said, in an era where the term dream match, you know, and, and we're kind of past that. I feel like I don't see that term as much. There was like five years ago or whatever, every indie match was a dream. You know what I mean? Every indie would book this guy and that guy. And, oh, here's a dream match. And it was like we all kind of got sick of the term and realized the term didn't have any meaning anymore and, and, and became utterly meaningless. But at then, you know, we had, like you said, the dream match, you know, debate or whatever. It's a stupid debate with Vikingo and, 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 and an Omega uh, you know, a few months back or whatever, but this is in in an era of all that. This is the dream. This is a dream. Like what what the term is supposed to mean is these two guys who seemingly never felt like it was possible. These two guys would ever get in the ring together and wrestle in a pay per view environment. You know what I mean? Like there's just no way that you would ever think that Brian Danielson, not not Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson would face Okada. Like there was no point in the 2010s did you ever think that these two guys would get in the ring together. No company that could facilitate it. Nothing that was going to happen that was going to make these two guys come together and wrestle. And here we are. Because AEW is the company that can make that happen and and New Japan is the company that can make that happen. And we're getting it. I mean this is this is Think of like your, I mean, I don't know about your, you know, list of, of favorite wrestlers ever, but man, these are two guys that are probably in my top five for sure. Danielson and Okada, like, like for all time, like all time, all time, all time, top five dudes at, you know, at worst top 10 for, for Danielson and Okada. And they're going to be wrestling in the main event of this forbidden door show. And from a sold out crowd in Toronto, I mean, it's going to be fucking spectacular. I, I have no doubt that this is going to be awesome and, and anything short of, of that would really disappoint me. But but even then it's just like I don't I don't know that I'm gonna like get mad if the match isn't like an all time, all time classic because still these two dudes are gonna stand in the ring together and that moment, like I, I saw it last night. I saw it last night being there live at Dynamite and seeing fucking Brian Danielson and Okada standing in the ring staring at one another was just like fuck man, like this is so cool. This is unbelievable. So yeah, it's like I I I'm going in this is like one of my most anticipated matches ever because, like I said, it's it's two top ten guys for me, guys that I just never, ever, ever thought would get in the ring together and and be in a position to have a match and have both guys still be in their primes. Really, Okada is as good as he's ever been, and Danielson is firing on all cylinders too. He's been great in all of his singles matches that he's had uh, over over research. Hell, even even the multi man matches or whatever, whatever you want to say. Danielson is solid as hell right now. So, man, I, it, it's it's I don't know what else to say about this. It's just this is. A dream match with a capital D. This is what that term was made for, is matches like Danielson versus Okada. Yeah, and I know there's some stuff that's yet to be announced, uh, possibly for the pre-show, because there's only one pre-show match. I don't think they're going to add anything else to the main show, because there's only there's already 10 matches. And four of the matches are going to demand a lot of time, especially when you factor in entrances and post-match stuff. You know, Omega Okada, Omega uh, Osprey, you know, will probably get... 30 to 40 minutes all told same for uh danielson and okada and then you have two world title matches by the way which have to get at least 20 minutes each from start to finish and then there's six more matches so i i don't think they're going to add anything else to the to the pay-per-view itself 
for that four-hour window. But you look, FTR is not on this show. Um, as of right now, Tetsuya Naito is not on this show. Hiromu, Shingo Takagi. And now look, the LIJ might get a tag on the pre-show or something. Naito might be Sting and Darby's tag team partner and those sorts of things. Um, but again, they're leaving so many talented people on the table. Bishimon is not on the show. They're not really doing any tag team title matches or anything like that. Um, you know, uh, Kyle Fletcher is not on the show, you know, you go right down the line. So, you know, it's like, there's so much, there's so much talent that's on the sidelines. So yeah, I don't know. The show is, is almost a guaranteed lock to be great. It's just a matter of how great, those top two matches are going to be. I think the interesting dynamic in the Omega Osprey match is the roles are kind of reversed. In the first match, Kenny Omega was the heel, Will Osprey was the babyface. In this one, it's the other way around. Kenny Omega is firmly the babyface coming into this one, and Will Osprey is the heel. And they're presumably going to have a third match. They're definitely going to wrestle again at Wrestle Kingdom. They're going to have at least one more match after this one. I don't know how many feuds I can recall where the babyface heel dynamic shifted with each ensuing match, right? We've seen feuds end with double turns. We've seen feuds where somebody turns it or one, one or the other turns, or there's a double turn. How many feuds can you think of historically? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot where the face heel dynamic fluctuated as the feud was going. You'd have to look at things where, it's similar to this one where one guy works for one company and one works for the other. So you could look at ROH and CZW and their feud where depending what company was hosting the particular match, the, the face heel dynamics change. You know, th th those are the kind of feuds you'd have to look at uh, where it was interpromotional and the hometown guy was always the baby face and the invader was the heel. But this is a situation which is similar to that. But these are also kind of sister promotions in a way where the canon kind of bleeds into one another. So it's not exactly the same, but I just thought that was interesting. And coming out of this one, you know, we'll see with the third match or if, you know, if they do four, um, if those alignments continue to shift. So that's another interesting wrinkle for that one. Um, as far as Okada Danielson, I mean, you don't need much of a story or anything for that. Because again, that the story there is it's just two all-time greats having what might be their only singles match. For all we know, this is the only time they're going to wrestle. That's all you need. You know, Forbidden Door, Rich, Forbidden Door's for us. Forbidden Door, and when I say us, I mean the people listening to the show, you and I, people who love wrestling and love the wrestling aspect of wrestling. Right? This show is for the Smarks. And I'm glad it exists. And there are enough of us to sell out these buildings every year. There are enough of us to do a healthy pay-per-view number, right? So if you want to watch guys cut community theater promos on each other, and apparently a lot of people do, if you've seen the SmackDown numbers lately, oh, yeah. you've got that every Friday. You want to go see the bloodline do their bad acting and cut promos on each other and, you know, all that. You have that. This is not for you. And not everything has to be for everyone. And, you know, I'm so grateful and thankful that AEW exists. And it sounds like I'm kissing ass, but I don't care. And that someone like Tony Khan is running a major promotion to make something like this happen. 
WWE would never do this. And if they did it, they would do it horribly. We all know how it would go. It would be awful. So it's great that for fans like us, we have a promoter who's willing to do shows like this and sit down at the table and do business with people like New Japan and Gato and put together shows like this because he's one of us. And this is why, you know, we kind of knew he would succeed as a promoter just because of his background and and obviously the money and his connections and all of that. And we don't need to relitigate all that. We knew that that he would succeed. But it was it we're so lucky that someone with those connections and that money and that background was one of us and not someone who was like some Russo disciple or someone who it was like an Eric Bischoff or, or Cornette disciple or something where, you know, history should be very different. And a lot of the people listening to the show might not have been fans anymore if that was the case. If you had WWE and some Vince Russo inspired promotion. <laughs> right. If Vince Russo had a billion dollars, good God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, gross. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and man, you know, sometimes I'm just so grateful that AEW exists and Tony Khan was, you know, a DVD VR guy reading the observer because, you know, not only does AEW exist and do great things like this and for the most part run a promotion that we can sink our teeth into as smarks, but it's wildly and massively successful as well. And I don't think people should lose sight of that or get wrapped up in, in Twitter nonsense. Okay. You know, if WWE didn't exist, there's not a single rational, normal thinking person who would consider AEW anything other than a massive success. They now have two primetime television shows that finish top five every week. They've got a third show that airs on Fridays. They're running successful pay-per-views. They're putting 67,000 people into Wembley. They're putting 13,000 people sell out in a pay-per-view this month. They just put 10,000 people in Chicago on Saturday. They put another six or 7,000 people in Chicago on Wednesday. They are an unmitigated, massive success. And the only way to say that they're not is to compare them to the company that had a four-decade head start. And it's so disingenuous, and it's such nonsense to use that as the bar of success. It's not. They're wildly successful. And they don't have to be, they don't have to catch WWE or be at the level of success of WWE. And maybe one day they will be, maybe one day they won't, to be wildly successful. Because that's what they are. They're wildly successful. And I know I'm mostly preaching to the choir when I say things like that on this show. Because our listeners are smart and they understand what's going on. But, you know, sometimes I do think even the smarts need a little bit of a pep talk sometimes. And this is the kind of weekend that's almost like a pep rally for us. This is going to be great. And um, I'm just thankful that all of this exists as a wrestling fan. Cause man, I don't know, you know, the pandemic in particular in a world without AEW or a world where AEW was something entirely different. Pandemic wrestling would have been rough, rich. 
because uh, you know New Japan was 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 yeah. not doing well. I think we're a Japan retro. Japan as a whole was not great. <laughs> I think we're a retro uh, show. I think we pivot to just full on retro at that point, which I could probably you know, do. This... I could probably do that, but yeah, I may have given up on on modern. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the current American independent scene is not great. Um, uh, you know, C- Arena Mexico was just a, a complete oh. mess during the pandemic. Similarly, cl- almost closed. <laughs> they almost, I mean, they came as close and, as the, in their what ninety year history. I forget what the, what the exact anniversary is this year. To, I mean, like straight up, pe- like I, I remember Cubs fan and literal being like, I don't know, they might close. I'm not sure. They might not make it through this. I don't know how they can. Yeah, and and, and Japan was a tough watch. And y'all you know, be completely honest, I only kept up with it because of this show and out of habit. That's not something I would have enjoyed and kept watching if I, if I was just, you know. Hell no. Um, it, so it's like, you know, I'm very thankful, very thankful for what Tony Khan has done for pro wrestling. And and these are the, this, I think I had this same speech last year. I mean, I, because I, I this show always reminds me of that. You know, that it could be a very different landscape. And, um, you know, we nitpick and complain like wrestling fans are want to do. But, man, it's the truth. I, I I find current WWE utterly unwatchable because, Rich, I force myself to watch it every week for the benefit of this show. We don't always talk about it, but I have to keep up with it. Once you take your finger off the pulse, you're done. You, you got to keep your finger on the pulse. And it's a tough watch, man. I, I have to grit my teeth and force myself to get through that bloodline stuff, let alone the rest of the show. You know, it, it's been worse at times. Don't get me wrong. This is not the worst WWE has ever been, but it's not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable. And, yeah, I don't know where I would be as a fan. I, I don't. That's just the honest truth if it wasn't for Tony Khan and AEW. Well, and, and I mentioned at the top when I was talking about Danison and Okada, like there, there, there does not exist a scenario where at any point during Daniel Bryan's run in WWE or whatever did I think that we were going to ever get Okada, who's killing it in Japan and, and just becoming this generational superstar over in Japan. In no point did I think, ah, man, so one of these days I'm going to be able to see these two guys wrestle in a main event. Let alone, like, not even that they're wrestling in the main event of this show that's going to be in front of a sold-out crowd in Toronto or whatever. That the story of the match is that it's Brian Danielson and Okada, and they're two of the greatest wrestlers in the world, and they're going to face each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, nobody hit each other with a car. Nobody took anybody out with a tire iron. Okada didn't have to get stretchered out. It's just Danielson saying, I'm the best in the world, and Okada saying, no, you're not. I'm the best in the world. And then they're going to come out, and then they're going to have a 30-minute match, 30-plus-minute match, and we're going to find out who's the better of the two guys at the end of the night. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, that's it. And, and that is the other thing that I would never have gotten. Even if in the weirdest, weirdest, weirdest timeline, I got somehow, some way Daniel Bryan versus Okada. You know what I mean? God only knows what that would have been like. It's not going to be like this. It's not going to be Brian Danielson, best in the world, versus Okada, best in the world, main event. Forbidden, you know what I mean? Like it's just so that that's where I'm just like so much more excited and so much more pumped about this match as a result of this and something I just never ever ever thought I would ever see in my life and and, and yeah, ten out of ten uh, excitement there. Who wins? I don't yeah, know. I, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you know. I mean Okada probably. Probably. Wins, but yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't care who wins. I mean, it, look, and then you look at Omega Osprey. You know, you, the Okada Danielson thing. It's just. This is a dream match. We're going to see two of the greatest of all time 
have a singles match, and that's enough. That's enough for a wrestling fan. Yeah, they looked at each other, that, they that stared might, at each other, that, and we're good. Yeah. We're good. That might not be enough for your Friday night SmackDown crowd. You know, I'm not trying to be passive aggressive, but it's enough for a wrestling fan. And this is for us. It's not for them. Okay? And then you have Omega Osprey with such a great story, right? You have the braggadocious, cocky Will Osprey who thinks he's the best wrestler on earth. And he runs into Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom and he gets put in his place in an extremely violent fashion. And he questions himself. And he says, man, maybe I'm not as good as I thought. And if I can't beat this guy, then I, I shouldn't be doing this. And now he has all this self-doubt, something he never had before in his career. Right? And now he's getting his second crack at him. So, you know, that is a, a, a great match that was probably the leading contender for match of the year. And that has a great pro wrestling story to go behind it as well. And we see the next chapter of the story they're going to tell. And then you have this elite Blackpool Combat Club 10-man with all of those different layers. I mean, there is so much going on in that match with the teammates, with, you know, Eddie Kingston doesn't like any of his teammates with the exception of Ishii. He just wants to get his hands on Claudio. But Mox is on the other side. Right, he doesn't hate Mox. Tag, he know, still hasn't put his friends. hands. He still hasn't put his hands on him. They're tag team partners. He still has not put his yeah. hands on him yet. He, he's his brother. They're tag team partners. They challenge for the tag team titles on an AEW pay-per-view. You know, and, and he doesn't want to put his hands on him. But he wants to get his hands on Claudio. But Moxley is fighting dirty lately. And, you know, at some point he's probably going to deck Eddie Kingston. You know, and, and Moxley... He doesn't have Danielson for this match, so he brings in Shooter from Japan, who's been his protege for years and years. There's just so much going on. And then Ishii, the Ishii. <laughs> Ishii getting thrown into the mix there uh, it, yeah, is, yeah. is a lot of fun, too, with, with the, the backgrounds that Ishii and Moxley have and, and, and stuff. So, yeah, that's great. There's so many branches to the story in that one, and they're going to do such a great job telling 19 different stories in that match. And, you know, I really thought, okay, we have this great top two, this legendary top two on this card. And then they announced the two world title matches, and I'm like, eh, they're okay. But they're not anything that's, you know, I was thinking to myself, this show needs a third huge match, and that's it. Yeah, that's the to one. To me, the Elite and Blackpool Combat Club is that third match where it's like, when it comes on, you inch up to the edge of your sofa, you rub your hands together, you push your chicken wings and your pizza aside, and you're like, all right, this one is getting my total attention. This is the third big-time match on this show. And, you know, what a great job they did building that on Dynamite. I mean, just a phenomenal job, even with only having six and a half minutes to do it. They had six and a half minutes to get that match over. Yes, the they the did. Show. We were looking at our we were looking at our watches as 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 I'm thinking you know I, I was with my buddy and, and I'm thinking man they got a lot to go on the show they got a, they got Danison's gonna call it Okada and Eddie's gonna do his talking and Eddie hits the ring I'm like he's got six minutes how are we gonna get this done and they fucking got it done I wish they had another extra minute or so but it made the chaos of it actually that much better of like how are they gonna do all this how are they gonna do all this and they got it all done because they're all professionals and they all know what they're doing and it ended up being like a really really cool segment but yeah it's like holy shit they got six minutes to build this entire match and god damn it if they didn't do it 
God damn it if they didn't nail it. I mean, and it, it wasn't just six minutes. I mean, there's like you said, there's so many layers that are going into that match in terms of of, of long-term stories with Eddie versus Claudio and Eddie and, and, and Moxley and, and obviously the Bucks and, and Blackpool Combat Club and the Bucks and Takeshita and then in. in. So there's so many other things that you can go, so many other layers and, 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 and different things you could do with it. You know, hell, Moxley and Paige, you know, they, they, there's that too. It's so... There's been stuff that's been built up for months upon months upon months. But, yeah, they basically had six minutes to just tie the entire story together. And they fucking did it. And they nailed it. And it was awesome. But I didn't think they were going to be able to get it in all, all in, in in six minutes. So a testament to them for doing it. But uh, holy crap. Yeah, I would have given them a little Man. bit more time. Maybe maybe slice off, I don't know, five minutes of tie in Chris Statlander and then maybe give them a little bit more. But, hey, you know what? It is what it is. They got it done. I, could, I couldn't believe it, you know. And, 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 you know, Moxley starts coming through the crowd when Kingston's cutting his promo. And I'm like, this fuckers, first of all, has to get into the ring. Then they have to cut their promos on each other. And oh, by the way, we still need to get to the coin drop tonight. And how are they going to squeeze all this in? Now <laughs> yeah. we're down to like four minutes. And they not only got everything in, they they, they announced Ishii. They, they did the brawl. Then they had Danielson come in. Then they had him call out Okada. Then they did the coin drop. Then you had Okada come down. Then you had Okada do what he had to do with Danielson. And, and then you had Okada hit the Rainmaker on Wheeler, Utah. And they got all of that done in six and a half minutes. <laughs> and, and, and you know, seriously, can we shave three or four minutes off of that terrible women's match that Ugh. nobody cared about? And let this breathe a little and give them some more time to work with. But um, I kind of like the chaos of it. And that, now in hindsight, now that it all happened, I kind of love the chaos of it all. It fit. Yeah. But yeah, and, uh, maybe eight minutes would have been a little nicer. But hey, they got it done in six. That's fine. And look, the opening angle on Dynamite was great. You know, after the, the Hardy's guns match with the CM Punk stuff, that was red hot. You know, so the, the show really opened with a red hot angle and closed with a red hot angle. And it was one of those Dynamites that I didn't think had any great matches, but was a great show. Yeah. Because it agreed. had stuff that happened. Like, there was constantly angles and big things happening and there were good promos and there was great energy. And I can live with that. I've always said, I have always said, I don't need great matches in my TV wrestling. I need good matches. Don't give me a bunch of three minute garbage matches. Okay. And if you're going to give me great matches, I'll take them. Okay. I'm not saying that, but I don't necessarily need to have three great matches on every one of my TV shows. As long as the action is acceptable and other shit happens on the show that's exciting, and there's a good energy, it can still be a great show. Pay-per-view, I want great matches. If I'm paying $50 for a show, if I'm streaming a show, whatever the case may be, buying a $150 ticket, I want great matches and I want blow-offs. I want conclusions to feuds where warranted, and I want great matches. That's where I expect to have a great show. TV, I don't necessarily always need that. And last night I thought was a great example of wrestling television that didn't need a great match. You know, four of the matches were just fine. The women's match was terrible. And that was still ended up being what I thought a, a, a very good dynamite, if not a great dynamite. So, um, yeah, so those are the top three matches to me, the two big singles matches we've talked about and the, uh, the 10 man. And then, Oh, by the way, there's two world title matches, rich there's <laughs> right, two yeah. world title matches on the show. <laughs> yeah, sprinkle some and world it, title matches in, in, in there too, which uh, let's talk about the IWGP one too. It's Sonata and, and, and jungle boy, Jack Perry. And I know there's been a lot of talk about, ah, uh, jungle boy doesn't deserve it. Or, ah, uh, Sonata jungle boy. 
Honestly, I don't know about you. I, I couldn't possibly care less uh, about si- w- what Jungle Boy or what Sonata is doing on the show. You needed to have an IWGP Heavyweight Championship match. You needed to have somebody that Sonata could easily win. You needed to have somebody that AEW thought highly enough of to put in that spot. You need to find somebody that, you know, that New Japan at least... I mean, it, it had to work both ways. I know some people are like, oh, I can't believe that's all Tony gave them. And it's like Gato had to agree to that, too. You know what I mean? They, they literally said they sat at the table and decided all those things. Jungle Boy is, I mean, he is a pushed commodity in AEW, whether you like it or not. Tony Khan loves that guy and is going to push him to the moon. And, oh, yeah, he's about to turn heel. And people sense it. People know it at Rampage. Uh, you know, a little bit of a spoiler for people that are going to watch Rampage. He's booed like crazy on that match against Dookie because people kind of got the underdog aspect of Dookie a little bit uh, there and sort of, you know, turned on Jungle Boy a bit and said, ah, you know, we're not that into this Jungle Boy thing anymore. They sense it. They know that a guy's turning heel. They're shining a light on it. It's obvious. Anybody who, with a brain who watches wrestling knows that this guy is probably turning heel. So I think this is a great opportunity for him to go out there. He's definitely, he's 100% going to lose. We all know that. It's okay. He's 100% going to lose. Sonata's going to win. And, and this might be a good way to tell the story of, of Jungle Boy kind of losing it and, and and finally getting to that breaking point where he turns on hook or he turns on the fans or he turns on whoever, whatever it is going to be that's going to make jungle boy, you know, turn that next level. That's, you know, that's, and, and, and how he got this match is he just, he just stepped in front of the line and said, Sonata said, I'm doing an open challenge. And jungle boy said, Oh yeah, I'm going to take the open challenge. The end. And you know that they did in that promo where it was him and hook and, and Hook was like, oh, what? You're, you know, you're doing the open challenge. And Jungle Boy's like, yeah, sorry, I didn't tell you. But yeah, I'm going to do this open challenge. But hey, will you come out with me? Will you be my second or whatever? So they, they, they teased the tension there. But yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I Anybody giving this any sort of thought, I, I can't believe I spent as much time talking about it as I just have. Like, I don't care. It's this show, and there's going to be enough fucking crazy-ass things on the show that, like, you just need Sonata to go out there and beat somebody that's a pushed enough commodity in AEW that the loss isn't going to hurt them, and a win will be fine, and, and that's what this is. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it, I mean, is, will the match be good? I, I don't know. Probably be all right. They're pretty good wrestlers. <laughs> I, I think it's fine. I I just don't. I, there's been a lot of hand-wringing about this, and I just do not understand why we'd waste your time no, hand-wringing about this. I, I understand from a basic level of maybe people wanted a more exciting opponent for Sonata. No, he's, I don't he's not get, exciting. <laughs> listen, I, I don't want to get their champion's not exciting. Get, I understand that. Like, right. I don't really want to get too derailed. I'm not convinced Sonata's better than Jungle Boy. To be completely honest, I think match for match, Jungle Boy probably has better matches than Sonata. I mean, it's close. If anything, I haven't really thought about it, but I don't want to go down that road because that's neither here nor there. The thing with these two title matches, I think this is a brilliant piece of business. And I think this is just exquisite pro wrestling booking with Tony Khan and Gato getting in a room like Tony Khan talked about today on the presser. He said he was in the office last night with Gato doing some last minute booking. They've become good friends, according to Tony Khan. I think those two guys are doing a remarkable piece of business with these two title matches, right? Because there is no more perfect opponent for MJF in this scenario for this show than Hiroshi Tanahashi. Oh, no, no. That is that is the most perfect. We, we, we'll, we'll get to that one now. I mean, that is the most perfect booking you could possibly do. We talked about it last week. Suit and I uh, reviewed uh, the Dynamite for Instant Reaction Live. Like, that's it. That's the booking. That's the match. It, yeah, because Tanahashi, in the eyes of Americans, is this great legend. A lot of the fans watching this show may not understand that he's on the way down. They may not understand he's not what he was. And he can easily lose and New Japan won't care. And it's a great scalp for MJF, where he now gets to brag about beating the great Hiroshi Tanahashi, right? And then New Japan gets their win back, 
when Sonata beats Jungle Boy, which is so perfect in terms of booking. Because not only for all the things you talked about, is he going to go heel eventually? Is he setting up his heel turn? The story aspect of it. But Jungle Boy losing to Sonata plays right into the story that they're telling with Jungle Boy. He keeps talking about how he wants to win a title by the end of the year, and he hasn't been able to do so. He's going to come up short again. He's going to lose again in an attempt to, to win a title. It's going to keep eating him alive, right? New Japan gets their win back, and the two companies go one and one in the world title matches. And, you know, eventually I think the obvious story here is Jungle Boy keeps coming up short trying to win titles, and he turns on Hook and beats him for the FTW title. I think that's where – and I don't think I'm any kind of genius for coming up with that path. I mean, it looks pretty obvious, okay? And that's the the heel turn, and that's the title that he ends up winning uh, that he that you know after coming up short for all of the real titles that he attempted to win. This is a brilliant piece of booking because it works for everyone. Everyone wins. Both companies go one one. You advance Jungle Boy's story. Both world champions get a win on the pay per view. Uh, it helps MJF because he beats a legend. He'll brag about that for the rest of his career. He'll he'll add into his promos that he beat the great Hiroshi Tanahashi. New Japan doesn't give a shit that Tanahashi loses. All of this is brilliant and perfect. Now, I understand the aspect of people want to see a bunch of dream matches. I un- I get it. But you got to do some business with these sorts of things, too. Okay? Tony Khan's not going to sacrifice one of his top guys to Sonata. Okay? When, you know, just for the sake of everybody getting another dream match. That, that's not going to happen. Jungle Boy is someone who can lose. Not only can Jungle Boy lose, it's beneficial to the story that they're yes, telling that. We want him to lose. They need him to lose. AEW wants him to lose. It's a perfect part of the story for him to lose. And to lose convincingly, too. Like, he, he doesn't, I don't even think you need to have it be, like, yeah, obviously you want to be a little bit of a back and forth or whatever, but you need Sonata. I mean, Sonata just needs to beat this guy. You know what I mean? Like, really, really beat him. And then that helps the I think story have even a great more. Match, though. I, oh, yeah, I yeah. Think have a great match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because. Sonata's been better lately. He hasn't had his some of his sloppier uh, tendencies. And I'm not a Jungle Boy fan at all. I'm really not. Everybody knows that. But he always delivers in the big match. He has great matches. And Sonata's capable of having great matches. Now, if they don't have chemistry, it could I could see this match falling apart. Because every Sonata match is a hair away from totally falling apart. We know that. Okay, so I'm not saying that can't happen, but if they have any kind of chemistry, I think they're going to go out there and they're going to have a great match. I, I, I don't think he's going to get beat definitively like you're saying. I think he's going to take Sonata to the limit and get beat in the end because that'll play better into the story, even though in the matches to the run up, he's kind of been getting his ass kicked. He got his ass kicked by Roosh the match last night. You were there. You tell me. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't put Dookie away. In, right? Yeah, he didn't put Dookie away in two minutes. I'll tell you that it was a, it, it was a run up for sure. So, uh, yeah, and that, that's clearly the story they're telling is that he's starting to lose his grip a little bit and not quite able to to understand how to. You know, this is a guy who who 
you know, just a little bit ago was at the top of the top and going for the title or whatever. And now he's struggling with Dookie. You know what I mean? He's struggling with, you know, the, the bottom rung guy in, in, in just five guys or whatever. And, and like you said, yeah, that, that's kind of been the story is that he's struggling and struggling and struggling. So, no, I don't think he's going to be like beaten in like five minutes by Sonata. But I do think maybe, you know, you'll have a few hope spots here and there. But I think it's actually advantageous to the story for, for Jungle Boy to really get outclassed in a lot of ways, too, and just really be like, oh, shit, I'm not on this guy's level at all. Like, I'm nowhere near this guy yeah. right now. In my current yeah. state, I'm not anywhere near where I need to be to win this title. I, I just I keep picturing in my head after the match, Jungle Boy sitting in the ring with his arms around his knees, looking dejected, Hook standing there, maybe trying to console him a little. Like I keep picturing that in my mind. And them really taking a less subtle step in the story that they're telling. Because all of the steps so far have been kind of subtle. Jungle Boy standing there with the chair a little bit longer than you might want someone to stand there with a chair thinking about maybe possibly, you know, nail and hook with it, you know, but not in a very obvious way. It's all been very subtle, you know, and it's time to start turning up the dial a little on the story to where it's not so subtle anymore, you know, because I think we've passed the stage where everyone kind of understands what they're doing here. So I don't think we need to be super subtle about it anymore. So maybe in the aftermath of this, we take another step in this in this Jungle Boy turn. I will say this, and I want to just put this out there, and we'll move on to the next match. This is AEW, and they've not done the obvious before. I, is it entirely impossible that Hook is the one that turns? That's possible too, yeah. You know, they get a little pissed at it. You know, maybe Jungle Boy's a little upset and, you know, maybe he shrugs him off or whatever and Hook's just like, yeah, fuck you. And just knocks him out. I, yeah, they could they could zag. They've, they've zagged. Cause when, you could, yeah, because yeah, you could still get to the same finish line of Jungle Boy finally winning a title and it being Hook's title, but with Hook being the heel. You can do it that way too. And... This could all be a misdirection where everyone's like waiting for the the Jungle Boy turn and then it's Hook that turns on him. The only thing with that is you would need to come up with some kind of proper motivation for it. Otherwise, it's a Vince Russo angle. Right, right. It's I'm a swivel so, the hips just to swivel the hips and swerve you just because we're swerving you. And that you don't want. So I would tell people just pay close attention to this story and look for little things that maybe where Hook would be have some kind of justification for getting annoyed with Jungle Boy. And maybe the whole Jungle Boy thing is a misdirection because we've seen AEW situations where we're like, oh, this thing is going to happen because it always happens in wrestling. And then that thing doesn't happen. So I'm just, put, I'm just putting that out there. Um, so let's, uh, we talked about MJF and Tanahashi. I don't think there's anything more we need to say about that one. I mean, again, just perfect, perfect booking MJF, the disrespecter to new Japan pro wrestling, Hiroshi Tanahashi representing new Japan pro wrestling. Can't be anybody better. MJF beats Tanahashi to most people, most fans that aren't watching every single new Japan show still probably revere Hiroshi Tanahashi as a, as, as a tippy top guy. He is, he's, he is still an all time legend, even though he's, you know, obviously uh fallen he's, he's pretty much washed at this point. Like, we, like we've said, on yeah, he, he's not, he's definitely yeah. on the way down, but you know, it works. It, it, it definitely works in the sense that, yeah, MJF's this cocky asshole. Tanahashi still is held in reverence, still feels like an important opponent. So MJF beats him, and, and yeah, he can go around and tell everybody that he beat the great Horus Tanahashi. And, and hell, I hope it's good. I hope it's fun. But even if it's even if both, if, even if Tanahashi can't 
fully go to the level that Tanahashi used to go, which we we you know less and less evidence that he can anymore. These guys are such smart workers that there's no doubt in my mind this match is going to fucking rock. I mean, these are two students of the game, two of the smartest wrestlers in the world. This is going to be a good match, no matter what, even if yeah, physically Tan- Tanahashi Tana- can't hang. Tanahashi can still fake his way into a great match. Absolutely, he can still he can still do that. He did it against Osprey where Osprey wasn't hundred percent and they just bullshitted their way and, and into a great match. So there's no reason someone like MJF can't have a great match with Tanahashi and MJF can do his gimmick and his character and talk about how he doesn't like new Japan and new Japan is the shits. MJF is marking the fuck out. Oh yeah. Oh, he, we can't all know that. he cannot wait. He's we, watching we tapes. All, all he is watching that. tapes all weekend getting ready for this match. Yeah. And he's got ideas and he can't fucking wait for this. And you know, it's uh, so yeah, I I don't have any doubt that they're going to put together something very entertaining. Uh, Lay Suzuki gods, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara and Minoru Suzuki versus sting Darby Allen and TBA again, to your point that maybe we're kissing ass and you know what? So fucking what, where else was I going to sit in an arena and watch Chris Jericho Minoru Suzuki and Sting all stand in the ring together. Right? Yeah. I saw that last night. <laughs> I saw Minoru Suzuki, Chris Jericho, and Sting in the ring together. And I'm just like, what the fuck? What am I seeing? Let it, what other company is going to give me this? You know what I mean? Like, where else was I going to get this? This company. Yeah. Only this company. No yeah. one else was ever going to do this. Sting, Chris Jericho, and Minoru Suzuki. Come on. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> this is it. No, and. and- and now we got a TBA. We got the mysterious TBA. Will it be Bill Goldberg, Joe? Uh, Tony Khan working, uh, working the pretty hard to uh, try to opposite tease the direction of uh, Bill Goldberg. Is it going to be Shingo Takagi, who's who's had some background teaming with these guys? He's not booked as far as I know uh, yet at, at, at anything for that show. So I, I don't know. It could be Shingo, but. It kind of felt like they were building it up to be somebody maybe a bigger I, – I, I love Shingo, obviously. You, you know that. Any listener to this show knows that. But didn't it feel like they were building it up to be somebody a little bit more important than Shingo? I don't know. Is, is that fair to Shingo? Well, Darby and Sting said that Jericho has made many enemies. And it is Forbidden Door. And Jericho had a very famous feud with Tetsuya Naito, a yeah. money-drawing feud. Yeah. And now that would be a big one. And, that would be big enough, and, for sure. And Naito's not booked. So Naito has got to be the clubhouse leader. Shingo has been pushing on Twitter that he doesn't have a match and he should get ready because he's friends with these two guys and teamed with them last year. Um, the misdirection from Tony Khan when it came to Goldberg on the media call, I, I took as a little too much of a misdirection. I think Goldberg's I in play. I think Goldberg's in play. I'm not saying it's Goldberg, but Goldberg makes sense because he obviously has a very smarky history with Chris Jericho. And that would play into the story as well. And I know a lot of people wouldn't want to see that. And I know that Bill is washed up. His last few matches were a disaster. I wouldn't mind it in this spot. No, he's just got to throw a spear. He's got to throw a spear and a jackhammer and, and snarl and yell. And this would be like sixth from the top. It's a gimmicky match to begin with. Um, he's got to throw some spears. And just be Bill. Be in shape and be Bill. And I wouldn't mind it. I'm not saying it's what I want. But if it is Bill, I'm okay with that. I think that would be big. It would feel big. Um, And then I guess LIJ could do like a tag or something. You know, on the pre-show or something. Which seems like a weird spot for Naito. Yeah, definitely seems it's like probably, a it's, it, Look, 
it's probably Naito. Naito. It's, it's probably honest. Naito. Yeah, <laughs> I like Tony being like, but, you know, Bill Goldberg did have matches in Japan. <laughs> it's like he tried to use the Japan angle instead of the Chris Jericho angle. It's like, yeah, he had some matches in Japan, but like, I don't know if I would. I don't know if Bill Goldberg's Japanese legacy is any sort of uh, co- a connection to this show, but uh, yeah, I, I, he was laying on a little too thick there. But uh, I appreciate that. These yeah. are all cool options, though. Yeah, great. Like, I'm okay yeah. with any of these. Uh, my hope is we're not working ourselves into a shoot, and it's not Naito or Goldberg or Shingo, and it's like something deflating. But I can't even come up with what that would possibly be. I, I you know, but, they've, uh, they've they kind of they laid it on a little too thick for it to just be like. I don't even know who, who. I don't even know who. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying to. I'm I trying think. to insert like action Andretti. Or you know what I mean? Like so, somebody that you're just like, oh, all right, <laughs> that's fine, I guess. Yeah, right, right. Because you know, yeah, with the whole yeah, but Jer- the problem, the thing with that is Jericho just beat him five minutes. Early. Right. No, no, no. I'm just throwing out a name of like a recent like. Yeah. Just anybody that you would just be him. like, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. all right, well, an enemy of Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. Like, eh, that kind of stinks. Like um, Ricky Starks would be like, oh, all right, I mean, that's fine. Pineapple, but... pineapple Pete. <laughs> right. Pineapple Pete. Right. It'd be like, oh, all right. Uh, I guess yeah. that's cool. You know, um, <laughs> it, seems, it seems like a lot to build up for it to be Pineapple Pete. You know, so I, I, I'm assuming it's somebody of the of the Naito uh, level, but but we'll see. Yeah, because Naito wasn't on the show last year, so you would think that um, you'd want to get him on one of these and get yeah. Him put him and it's not like spot. you need to like promote him either. It's you know, like you said, it's a six match from the top. It's whoever, whatever you know, whoever comes out comes out. It, it's not. You know, most of the tickets are sold. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe you want to sell a few extra pay per views, but I don't know. I, I like the surprise. Sometimes it's good to have some surprises along the way too. So I got, I, I got to tell you, I think Bill Goldberg would sell a couple pay per views. If it, I think a Bill mm, Goldberg, yeah, his debut in AEW. Listen, we're not talking about the nineteenth WWE comeback. Oh no, no, he, he'll draw. No, that first time he's in AEW, he's drawn for sure. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to make the difference. It's going to. I'm not saying he's going to sell thirty thousand pay per views, but if he comes out on Collision and that piece of video makes the rounds on social media, that's going to be a big deal for your WWE kind of fan, your quote unquote casual fan. That's an atten- Bill Goldberg is still an attention grabber, right? Now. Everyone listening to this show, 90% of the people listening to the show want it to be Tetsuya Naito. And they're cursing at us on their device. And they're like, fuck <laughs> yes. Bill Goldberg. We don't want that. And I understand that. They want Tetsuya Naito on the show. I I, I think it's going to be Tetsuya Naito. And, and obviously, I think that's the best fit. But I'm just saying that if it's Bill Goldberg, and we're wasting a lot of time on Bill Goldberg when we wouldn't <laughs> even be talking about this. If that guy didn't if, ask the question. <laughs> if sure. the guy, Bill Pritchard from Rest, I don't even think it was Bill Pritchard. Whoever asked the question. But um, I just thought Tony Khan's answer was odd. And people took it as Tony Khan hand-waving Bill Goldberg. I took it as Tony Khan teasing Bill Goldberg the way that he answered that. So I don't know. But, yeah, um, I love Minoru Suzuki and his entrance in a big American basketball building like last night. And everybody's singing along. It really makes me – it reminds me why I love pro wrestling, you know, and and he's waving the crowd up, telling them that, you know – and I, you might not have seen because you were live, but the television angle was perfect when when Suzuki's on the apron, you know, waving his hands in the air, getting ready for the chorus. Chris Jericho was marking out behind him, enjoying the moment. Like, you know how I always talk about with wrestlers, it's in the eyes. Yeah. Whether they're on or off. In Jericho's eyes, he was off. He wasn't 
Chris Jericho the the gimmick in that Chris moment. Irvine or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He was Chris Irvine the man, and he was marking out for Minoru Suzuki soaking it all in in the wind trust and the crowd doing the the, the the gimmick. And I thought that was such a cool moment because even Chris Jericho was like, this is cool as fuck. So hopefully Toronto does the same. I, I think they will. That's yeah, a good crowd. I, I think they will for sure. Uh, we talked about Black Cool Combat Club and Elite. We don't have to really go into that one anymore. Just awesome match there. Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio, yeah. uh, Kanosuke Takeshita, Shota Umino versus the Elite uh, of Hangman Page, Young Bucks, Eddie Kingston, Tomaru Ishii. I mean, that's just, yeah, fucking incredible. Uh, so oh, many yeah. stories being woven in. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> Forgot. Uh, CM Punk versus Satoshi Kojima is on the show, too. Uh, yeah, they just yeah. kind of show a graphic. Uh, we knew, you know, like, you know, we kind of knew and the rumor was going around that that was the match. And, and most I, I assume most people listen to this show at some point yesterday knew that that was heavily, heavily, heavily rumored uh, to be the match. But then, like, you know, they're doing and, and in the arena. I don't know. I don't know how they showed it on TV. But did they like did it show the brackets and that was just a match that was listed on one of the brackets, right? Is that all that you guys got on TV as well? Yeah. Okay. So they, they do so Punk's in the ring doing his opening match promo, talking everything, and I'm like, oh, here's where they're gonna announce it. And then they didn't, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's not the match anymore. And then like an hour later they show the bracket and there it is, CM Punk versus Toshiko Kojima. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, they are doing it. So uh it's it's a match, you know, it's so crazy. It's CM Punk versus Toshiko Kojima. Like you said, at best sixth or seventh from the top here on on this, you know, it's CM Punk's only been back for a week now, and he's back on Forbidden Door, working a pay-per-view with the Young Bucks, by the way, which, you know, we wondered, oh, is that ever going to be able to happen? Are they ever going to be, you know, within miles of each other? How's it going to happen? How's it going to work? Well, I guess we're going to find out very quickly at Forbidden Door because they're both on this show, CM Punk and the Bucks and Omega and all those guys are at this show. So, um, yeah, it's CM Punk and, and Kojima, which, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about the CM Punk Kenta match or whatever. I think Punk Kojima's going to fucking rock, and I don't really care about matches that, you know, weren't made. It doesn't really bother me that much. It's I'll get over it, but uh, Punk and Kojima sounds fucking spectacular, so I'm in. Yeah, Punk and Kojima won't have the same vibes and history that Punk and Kenta would have had, but it has the potential to be the better match. Uh, and I think that, you know, the reason that Kenta match ultimately probably isn't happening is I don't know how excited Kenta was going to be to do a job to CM Punk and <laughs> probably to go to lose sleep. to the <laughs> yeah, go to yeah, his lose, move. Yeah, lose to his move that he stole yeah, that move, he's a little yeah. bit still kind of pissed off about. I mean, it, he can joke aside, but that man, that, that dude stole his move and 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 took it to the highest highs and and took it all across the world into the top companies in the world. Yeah, no, he's he's not. Kenta's not happy about that. Like, you know, he's not excited, and ex- especially to lose to the guy's move who stole, you know, his move that the guy stole. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of history there that maybe isn't fully fleshed out just yet. Well, then he just he probably that didn't probably didn't sound that appealing to him. But, you know, from the earliest, from the very first time I heard about that potential match, I was my understanding that Punk was indifferent to it. He wasn't super excited about working Kenta. But he would have done it if they told him that's what he was doing. He wasn't, you know, um, it wouldn't have taken much for him to wiggle out of it. But he would have done it. Or if he saw a path out, he would have gotten out of it. Kenta, on the other hand, um, I'm not entirely sure he's under New Japan contract. I mean, and, and we do this every time, but people would be surprised the amount of people who aren't under contract in Japan. It just, it's different. I'm not saying there aren't people that are under, there are absolutely guys that are under contract. 
but there's a lot of handshake agreements in New Japan, and there's a lot of handshake agreements. There's a lot of guys, quote unquote, working freelance. Watch out, Noah PR, who don't understand what it means. Uh, there's a lot of guys, quote unquote, working freelance in Japan for these promotions that are loyal to the handshake deal. And I'm not entirely sure that Kenta is under a New Japan contract. So everything with Kenta has to be a negotiation, especially something like this. So was he uh, shooting when he was working a little on Twitter, saying that he needed the bag in order to do the match and all that stuff? There's probably a little ribbon on the square, so to speak, with that, you know? And <laughs> Are you telling me a pro wrestler is, is, is lying about something, Joe? Or no, or not even lying or, or just, you know, turning a shoot into a work, you know, a, a mm. public work. And, 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 you know, because maybe he was, you know, cause again, he's not a guy who I, I don't think he's under contract. So I think everything with him is a negotiation, you know, every tour, every, every, uh, outside booking, every time he does something. So, and I don't know that he was necessarily thrilled with doing that match. And I, you know, and, and I know that punk wasn't super thrilled with the match. So you have two guys who aren't super thrilled with the idea <laughs> it doesn't of doing seem like match. a fun match. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. So match let's then. just do something else. I mean, you, you know, we could sit here and there's a, you know, uh, there's a version of the story where Kenta was the one who pulled out. There's a version of the story where punk didn't want to do it. I don't think either one of them wanted to do it. And what we have now is the Kojima match, which I think could be a better match. And it's also part of the Owen tournament. And, you know, it was just funny listening to Tony Khan on the press call make it out like, like, I'm, I thought I was a big Satoshi Kojima fan. Did you hear Tony That guy Khan wouldn't today? stop talking about the strongest arm, man. He kept going and going and going. I was like, all right, he Tony, we heard not, you. <laughs> Tony, Tony wanted nothing to do with addressing Kenta. He was asked a direct question. Why did the Kenta match fall? It went right Sean to Ross Kojima. Sapp. He went to Kojima's one of those all-time legends of professional wrestling. <laughs> he didn't mention. And he not only filibustered Kojima, he didn't mention the, the name Kenta in the not entire once. answer. He yeah, didn't. not once did he say so Kenta. So he just didn't even want it, which again tells you that it was a little something weird, you know, they just couldn't, you know, but you know, he's going on about Kojima's credentials. This man's a recent GHC title holder. This man. Oh, no, he's Kenta a global versus... honor crown. No, no, he's such a he dork. He's a global honor <laughs> crown and then said GHC because he's thinking, oh, right, there's a lot of people that probably have that, no yeah. idea what the global honor crown is or whatever. Yeah, yeah who does he Khan's like more, watching... Satoshi Kojima or Ray Bucanero? Because he went out talking about yeah, both of those guys. About, he's talking about Shocker, too. And, um, <laughs> and uh, no, but he's like. Uh, Tony Khan is watching his Wrestle Universe subscription, checking out the Kojima GHC title run. Yeah, he is, and he's bringing that up on the call, and and you know then he's then he he he's then he's really laying it on thick. He's like, you know, Satoshi Kojima CM Punk is a match that I've wanted to see for decades. Tony, calm down, calm down, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is not when I when I was coming up with dream matches. I, I don't know that that was you know Daniel uh, Brian Danielson versus Okada that yeah I don't know that I ever circled CM Punk versus Satoshi Kojima as like oh man one of these my, years my, my, that's gonna yeah. happen <laughs> I don't think my head ever hit the pillow thinking about Satoshi Kojima versus CM Punk <laughs> I mean I'm glad it's happening but, it's, um, gonna, it's a cool match but yeah it wasn't wasn't on my uh, uh, yeah, notebook yeah. I, I didn't write that one down and say ah oh, one day if I become a billionaire I'm booking CM Punk versus Kojima I love Satoshi Kojima, but Tony was really laying it on thick to do anything to avoid talking about Kenta. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it'll be a neat and tidy win for Punk. It'll be his first singles match since he's come back. And let me tell you something, Rich. Satoshi Kojima is still wrestling at a super high level. Did you happen to see the? You probably didn't see this match. 
It was in 0-1. It was the Dangan Yankees, Masato Tanaka and Takashi Sagara, together again against Daisuke Sekimoto and Satoshi Kojima. Oh, shit. No, I didn't. But what? what, what's the date? Because I'm watching it <laughs> right when the show is done. I'm writing it down right now. May, May May sixth. It's on May sixth. Oh, that was on your yeah. That was on your notebook review. I should I should have watched that one. I I, I do remember that one now. I I, I will free fix that. I will fix that and 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 watch it as soon as I can. It's free and legal, and it was fucking great. Sounds awesome. These yeah. four motherfuckers who are probably all about a half decade or longer past their prime, they went in there and fucking killed it. And you know Kojima's been killing it anywhere he's been given an opportunity, and. uh and and he can still go. So um, you know, and that match, I yeah, I, I put it in my write up. But anyone listening, you know, if you're not, you know, on the on our, uh, if you're not behind the paywall, um, zero one May sixth, it's free and legal on YouTube. Uploaded by zero one, um, but that's a great match, and that'll give you an idea of what Kojima, what his current work is like. He's letting his body go a little, a little. He get a little soft, but listen, he's fifty. Yeah, it's all okay? right. Yeah, hey. <laughs> All that matters with him is the guns, baby. Strongest arm. You know, and he's still got that strongest arm. Did you see him uh, taking pictures with Stan Hansen? Uh, hell yeah, I did. Yeah. Because, you know, he got that from Stan Hansen. Like, he does the, the the fucking Western Lariat because of Stan Hansen. I don't know how many of our listeners never made that connection. But um, it was, you know, the Western Lariat and the strongest arm. And a big smile on his face. How do you not love Satoshi Kojima? It's the best. Yeah, he, you know, he, he comes he's, in, he's got he, the nose, the nose, the breathe right strip. It's the best. I love fucking Kojima, man. He's the best. Yeah. I don't love him as yeah. much as Tony yeah. loves him, but I love him. I certainly love him, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, you know, like seventh from the top, little tournament match. <laughs> little you know, CM Punk but, Kojima uh, just tossed in there. This is what I'm talking This, I mean, this show's going to fucking rule, right? Like, there's no, it's going to fucking rock so much. The most, the most, the, the most egregious piece of hyperbole from Tony Khan, though, regarding the Kojima filibustering was then he said, and you know, Satoshi Kojima was part of our most successful pay per view ever at All Out 2021. <laughs> oh my God, when, he was in the opener. <laughs> when he took on John Moxley, they wrestled Moxley. Right? <laughs> oh, that's right, He's right. Like, <laughs> so it, it's great to have Satoshi Kojima back because he was a key part of our. Most yeah, successful oh yeah, pay-per-view yeah. I'm sure. I, I yeah, definitely the, the the crowd there at the uh, now arena that I was a part of were definitely there to see Satoshi Kojima, and not you. Know. <laughs> When Tony Khan turns on the promoter speak, it is just a fucking pleasure. It's it's it was it was he was putting over Satoshi Kojima <laughs> to a comical degree in that in that in that answer. But oh, uh, anyway, yeah, CM Punk. Do you think he was Kojima. slapping his arm as he was doing it, getting ready? He's got the armband on. He's just doing that, getting it ready for the. <laughs> the yeah, he he's pulling the fucking elbow pad off and throwing right, it, going he's like this, the, getting the, it ready. The fucking bicep. Yeah. He's ready to throw a lariat at at Mega. He's ready to throw a fucking lariat at Woodcock. Right. Absolutely. I, I, and let me tell you something else, Rich. I've been refreshing my bookie for three days, waiting for these forbidden lot, forbidden door lines to go up because I'm putting the fucking mortgage on CM Punk. I don't care what the line is. I don't care. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think the strongest, even if Punk blew his Achilles AC, his whole leg fell off. There's no way they're, they're going to have Punk roll up Kojima somehow. You know what they'll do? They'll do the Stone Cold Owen Hart finish yes. when he broke his neck and he still pinned him. Right. Like, they'll, they'll <laughs> still find a way for, for Punk to win. I'm going to empty out my, my life savings, and I don't even care if it only brings me back 100 bucks with whatever the odds are going to be. I have to – you know, this show has a lot of matches like that. Punk is not losing. MJF is not losing under any circumstances. Sonata is not losing. 
You think uh, you think Filthy Tom's going to get the big upset over Adam Cole, baby, or no? Adam Cole is not losing under any circumstances <laughs> whatsoever. So whichever one of those matches has the best odds, and they're going to be awful odds. They're all going to be like minus 4,000, <laughs> like every one of those guys. Yeah. But whichever one is like minus 2,500, they're getting my entire bank. You're going to take a home like, equity loan out and put, that, put it all on that guy. Sure. They're getting the whole fucking bankroll, and I'm going to be counting my fucking $120 fucking net of my $58,000 bet on uh on uh, on Sunday night. But it'll feel good. Losing. It'll feel good. You'll you'll be able to look at that my book and it'll say you won $68,000 or whatever and you'll be like, right. "Hell yeah, even though you bet 60, you know, $5,000, $67,000." Right. Yeah. But still, so yeah. Like, yeah. But uh but cuz there are some mortal fucking locks on this show from a gambling standpoint. Um Anyway, what else we got here? Uh, then we have AEW International Championship, Orange Cassidy versus Zack Sabre Jr. versus Katsuri Shibata versus Daniel Garcia, a four-way here for the International Championship. I mean, I thought we were getting Orange Cassidy, Zack Sabre Jr. I'd rather have Orange Cassidy, Zack Sabre Jr. Um, what they could have done was done Orange Cassidy versus Zack Sabre Jr., and then they could have done Shibata versus Daniel Garcia on the pre-show. Yeah, and that's kind of right? where I they thought we were going to go, honestly. And and I I think I'd still prefer that. I mean, I I I, I would. I don't mind this match, but I still think I'd prefer those guys. I think it'll be a better. It would be a better match. If it was just Zach versus Cassidy and Shibata versus Garcia. I I don't need to see them. You know, I I don't need to see them both getting in the ring. And yeah, I, I, it's just. I, you, you, the level that of excitement that I'm going to have for a four way match or a three way match or whatever is, is always limited, and, and and yeah, and this one I, I was all in on Cassidy and, and Saber, and I feel like we're just kind of shoehorning in Shabbat and Garcia uh, uh, in together. So I can't say I love it. The problem is it's hard to complain with the rest of what this show is going to be, and it's probably still going to be a pretty yeah. I mean, good listen match, to that so. match. I mean, it's Orange Cassidy, Zach Saber Jr., Shabbat, and Dan Garcia, like. It's still a really, really fucking cool match, and it's the type of matches that can only be done on a show like this. So that's why you know you appreciate it. But but yeah, I I, I do from a pure like match enjoyment standpoint, I would probably would have preferred singles matches between those two guys or the 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 combinations that we said right there exactly. Especially with the run Orange Cassidy's on, you'd love to see him have another big time high profile title defense on a show like this against a guy like Zack Saber Jr., which which you know would have been guaranteed to be great. So. Uh, but you know, again, it's eighth from the top or something. Um, how 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 badly do you want me to complain? Right, right, right. Uh, this match is is probably the lone exception of the match that, if we looked at the first draft of what Forbidden Door twenty twenty three was going to be, this was not the match. Now, the, the, what we got is still going to be, I think, very good. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I think it's a hell of a match. Uh, it's AEW Women's World Championship. It's Tony Storm defending the title against Willow Nightingale, who is the IWGP women's uh, champion. But we all know, everybody listens to the show, anybody with a brain knows Mercedes was supposed to win that match. She was supposed to win the title. She was supposed to win the match. They decided to change it. Mercedes decided to change it in the ring or whatever. Willow wins. And now, you know, AEW has, I think, done a pretty good job of, of working with what they had there with, 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 with Willow Nightingale. New Japan has done it as well. It all ended up working out in the end. Like, it, it, it will result in a pretty good match. But... We were probably robbed of Tony Storm versus Mercedes Monet. Tony Storm versus Sasha Banks. You know, I mean? we we were robbed of that match happening on the show, which would have just taken the show into just another stratosphere as well. Of okay, not only are you getting just these these all time all time stellar, you know, top 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 tier men's matches. Oh, now now you're getting like a women's match that's like a top top tier one too of of a Sasha versus Tony Storm or whatever. You're not going to get that. You're going to get Will versus Tony Storm, which I still think is going to be really damn good. 
but we're we, this is the lone exception that we were robbed of one real special match on the show in in terms of not getting Tony and, and, and Mercedes. Yeah, and we know for a fact that Sasha was going to be on the show because Tony Khan basically said so on the last media call. Not today's, but the one for Double or Nothing. I, I, I misspoke. A strong women's title, not the IWGP women's. I realized I did that. Yeah, those are actually two different titles. They are two different right. belts, yes. Um, <laughs> That's actually an important distinction to make. So, so yeah, he basically said he, he his answer was only me and Mercedes know what the plans were for Forbidden Door, which means that there were plans for Forbidden Door. So he did lose one compared to last year. That's nothing. I mean, he lost more people from last year's Forbidden Door on the day of the show when he lost Hiromu and Ishii at the last minute. Uh, you know, then he lost it in the entirety of this year due to injury or conflict or whatever. So, um, you know, and it may not have been uh, Mercedes Monet versus Tony Storm. It may have been, you know, Jamie Hayter may have been the original plan. Who knows? The point here is Monet was going to work this show. And like you said, that would have been a huge deal. That would have been like maybe the third biggest match on the show just based on the fact that it's, uh, you know, Sasha Banks making her AEW debut. So it was a big one because now this is very clearly, firmly the least important match on the main card. Right, right. When this it would have been probably the ninth most important match that we've mentioned so far. I mean, maybe you could put it over the international championship if you really want to, but. Maybe, maybe but, it, it probably is the least important of the matches. Maybe Adam Cole and Tom are, but that's you know prepping Adam Cole for you know his Adam title Cole, shot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah who, who's you know a, a bona fide you know top top tier guy in that company. So yeah, it's probably the least important match. Which yeah it is is I still think it's gonna be pretty good. I still think it's gonna be pretty solid. But yeah, you went from that match being like you said firmly third most important of the night probably just because it has Mercedes in it to now it's it's afterthoughts probably not the right word but just kind of a, a a match on the show yet another match on the show as opposed to like this is a big big deal it's not a big deal anymore it's just a match that's on the show that will be pretty interesting correct correct um and that's really all i have to say about it so uh and then rampage spoiler so if you uh, don't want to be spoiled about this stupid segment we spoiled it earlier anyway but uh anyway yeah uh, adam cole is gonna be facing filthy tom lawler that came out of left field huh? it really did <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> at Rampage, for for those you know, again to spoil it, like Adam Cole's in the ring, getting ready to do his promo, and and he's getting ready to, you know, he's doing the thing in the in the ring where he's you know going back and forth, ready to stand up and say baby or whatever. But uh, then MJF's music hits, so he doesn't get the baby off, and then you know MJF goes, you know, thank you for giving me my confidence to face Tanahashi. Well, I want you to have a match at uh, Forbidden Door as well, so you're gonna face. Filthy Tom Waller. Like, the crowd's just like, huh. <laughs> There's like 10 people in the crowd that are like, oh, yeah, Filthy Tom Waller. Wait, wait, he, wait, 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 wait. Was Filthy Tom there? Yeah, then he ran out. It was him and Royce Isaacs ran wait, out from on. the crowd. And then... Royce Isaacs? Yes. yes. Did they play Filthy Tom's great entrance music? No, no, they played MJF's music. They... They will on Sunday. They will on Sunday, yeah. I hope they do. He comes out with his with his jean shorts. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah, no, the entrance music's great. Like Team Filthy is great because they are filthy. You know, they're they're a bunch of filthy guys. I unfortunately had to answer for about 70 people of who's that guy. Oh, wait, who's that guy too? Like people, some people knew Tom Lawler, nobody knew Royce Isaacs. They were like, yeah, but who's that guy? I was like, I think it's Royce Isaacs. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's Royce Isaacs. And they're like, who? And I was like, I forget it. Don't worry about it. 
Yeah, yeah. Not exactly like, the I, biggest names to, to pop up there, but uh, and I appreciated it. Yeah, but uh, that that came out of nowhere. But that's again on a card this stacked, and they're giving you know Cole a win, and they're telling their story with Cole and MJF, Well, I'll so. say they they gave quite the beating to Adam Cole's leg. I don't know if I don't know if Adam Cole's gonna be one hundred percent going into that match. Oh, so that, oh, oh, that's great. So Cole's gonna come in limping around yep. to mm-hmm. tell to tell he was limping out of the ring. Rich. He couldn't do his baby. Yeah. He was holding the knee. He was talking to a doctor after the beatdown. Yeah, I don't know. They got him pretty good. Tacked him from behind. Shot blocked him. It's an MMA, that's an MMA fighter, Filthy Tom. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, maybe, maybe don't bet the house. Maybe don't bet that house, Joe. <laughs> maybe yeah. don't. I think you. I think you've talked me out of that. <laughs> maybe I, not I, the uh, house on that one. Maybe. Yeah. You know, Law Lore is a master of submissions. Yeah. So I, you know. Ugh. All right. I'm going to lay low on that. Maybe one, go to Kojima. Maybe put all the house on, on, on Punk over Kojima. I think that's probably. probably well, you know, point. I did put everything on Moxley over Kojima. So Kojima is my key to just making money. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I forgot There's about that. <laughs> you want a lot of money. Well, a lot, relatively a lot of money. I'm using very. Well, big no, that, that, that oh, was that, the match. There weird odds? The oh, there were like weird odds for that one, right? They were they were decent. They were surprisingly decent, and I was able to bet whatever I wanted. That was the match that caused them to put a limit on my wrestling <laughs> right. betting. Yeah, that's right. So, like this guy knows match, too much. I don't know what the fuck this guy's doing, but he knows too much. Fuck this guy. <laughs> that match and one other match, which I'm not going to name, where one of the participants might have tipped, may have tipped me off to the result. So <laughs> that was. Uh, but listen. That's the danger of accepting wrestling. Yeah, don't accept wrestling bets. What are you doing? This is why the commissions don't want FanDuel and all this shit to do wrestling bets. So my bookie was like, whoa, whoa, no more for you. You, you, We're capping you at 20 Yeah, you get 20 bucks. Yeah, you get 20 bucks, right, to play with. Yeah. but uh, Well, I'm not capped. So next time a worker tells you a result, you can feel free to send that on over. I'll I'll share. I'll share a little taste with you if you want. Give me a little taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You gotta give me a taste, of right? course, of course. Oh yeah, finder's fee for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, then so far, what we have on the zero hour one match on the zero hour so far. Hopefully, we'll get uh, plenty of RJ City instead. Uh, Women's Owen Hart Cup Tournament first round: Athena versus Billy Starks. You know, I, I obviously that's Athena's whole gimmick is she just beats the shit out of people like this, so that's going to be a quick squash. But my hope is that it's a full on pre show because last year's Forbidden Door pre show fucking rocked. And we know that all these New Japan guys are in town. Kanemaru, Doki, some of the LIJ guys. Uh, Kyle Fletcher worked Rampage, correct? Yeah. Um, I guess he's kind of an AEW guy too, but you get the idea. Jeff Cobb is in town. So it's like you hope that they're going to load up the pre-show wall-to-wall, four matches, no bullshit, no fucking – ringer guy and fucking Paul White doing bad banter. Just give us four matches wall to wall like we had last year in front of that red hot Chicago crowd and let's fucking go forbidden door. So I think they will because why else would they bring all these people to fucking There was a lot of guys. Yeah, there were a lot of dudes on Rampage and a lot of guys that are rumored to be in town. Like, yeah, just just load this thing up. Just load this thing all the way up. Yo is in town. Yo was there. So you That's got Yo. Right. He's another one, yeah. Yeah, there's right. there's plenty of dudes that you can you can, yeah, Rocky was there, Yo was there, Fletcher was there, Cobb was there. You, you got plenty. Royce Isaacs is in the house. Come on, you gotta find a place for Royce Fuck, Isaacs. Man, get Gato out there. Yeah, hell yeah. Get, 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 Tony was saying he broke bread with Gato last night. They sat down. That's right. Probably over a nice glass of whiskey. Discussed the Forbidden Door 
I don't know. If Tony, I don't know if Tony's a drinker. He, I don't know if he's a drinker or not. But I know Cato is. I know Cato puts out some oh, whiskey. Tony, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Tony drinks. Okay. Tony drinks. All right. Um, I don't know. Drinking uh, choices. I don't know if he's a whiskey man or uh, watching the cows. Maybe he's a, a seltzer guy. I don't know. But he said he's good friends with Gato now, and he said he's good friends with Obari San as well now. A good relationship with Obari San. And uh, then he was really name dropping on the presser when he said he uh, he he really likes Carlos. That's Conan. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, <laughs> did you did you, yes. did you pick that one up? Because I was saying Carlos, I, I missed this because I was like I was kind of half listening uh, to that portion of it. What because that was when he was just rambling on about Ray Bucanero and then Shocker. And so I'm like I don't know what that was going on anymore. So when he was talking about Carlos, I thought he was then talking about Puerto Rico and how he wants to enter like the Puerto Rican market. I thought he was talking about like Carlos. I'm like what, who is he talking about anymore? And then you're like yeah, he goes Carlos and it goes oh yeah for people that know no, that's Conan. It's like okay okay yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Yeah. He was like, you want to pick that name up? You want to pick that name up there, pal? Yeah. He's like, I I don't, I don't really uh, agree with him on wrestling all the time, but uh, Carlos is a really nice guy. He buries the fuck out of you every week on his show. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) He's taking bong rips. (laughs) (laughs) Carlos rips a bong and then goes, yeah, Tony, I don't know. He doesn't know shit, man. He doesn't know anything about wrestling, man. (laughs) 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 He takes another rip and then that's the show. You ever listen to that show? If you haven't, Conan will ask you. If you haven't, uh, go, go check your DMs because uh, Conan's probably asking you if you've ever listened. So, Carlos, I guess. We don't, ag- we don't always agree on wrestling. We know because he agrees with Disco Inferno every week <laughs> right, on his show. So right. we, we're well aware that you guys don't always agree. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so that's uh, – That's for Vendor. That's for – as of this moment, they didn't announce anything else on Rampage for the pre-show. Uh, no, the only the only match that got announced officially on Rampage was Cole and, and, and Lawler. So I think that's it so far. But yeah, pre-show, who knows? Pre-show, you got you're wide open on the pre-show. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know what else they're planning it, on doing for it, the pre-show. It, it'd be a massive waste not to book all those guys in something on the pre-show just to get them out there. Oh, of course. You know? Yeah, you got all those dudes, man. Come on. There's too many great wrestlers that are going to be in the area. Kanemaru and Despy had that great match with Keith Lee and Swerve. Yeah, oh, year. that was one of the best. That was honestly, you talk about a, that may have been the the best match of the entire night. I think you actually on the Instant Reaction Live tried to. It was either you or Mike Spears that tried to say that it was actually the best match of the entire night. That was uh, it, it. May have and been the second wrong. best. And, like I, we couldn't argue with whoever it was. We couldn't really argue with you because it's like you're like I mean that match fucking rocked. So you might be right. I, you might actually be I right mean, about that. I don't think it was better than Osprey Orange Cassidy, but you you could sell me that it was the second best match of the night. I mean, I you know, but um, and my boy Kanemura was in town, so let's fucking get it. But uh, thankfully, Jeff Hardy's had some legal issues. So yeah, he will not. Uh, <laughs> he cannot go to Canada, so that's. Uh... Are we still going to shoehorn Matt Hardy onto this? Oh show dear somehow? God! Hopefully not. Gonna... No, please, no, please pay for his ticket to North Carolina and let him take the weekend off. So yeah, Kanemura was there. Yeah, I forgot he seconded uh, Dookie. So yeah, we got to get Kanemura on the show. There's too many good wrestlers. Too many good wrestlers to have Paul White and and Ringer guy talk about. You know, vapid, mundane, you know, bullshit pre-show talk. Yeah, we don't need that stuff. Instant reaction live. People aren't going to want to miss that one. No, you're not going to want to miss that. Sunday night, immediately following Forbidden Door, instant reaction live. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Patreon. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Flagship Patreon.com. Whichever way you're going to get there, that's how you're going to get there. Again, $10 tier. Joe and I going live immediately following the show. It's going to be a hell, hell of a show. 
Uh, we're going to recap it from every angle, recap and review every single match. This is your one only chance, by the way, to hear us review the show. We are not going to do it next week on the flag show. We might talk big picture stuff about the Forbidden Door, but we are not going to cover the show any other place. Not next week on the flagship, not anywhere else. You're going to get that review on Instant Reaction Live this Sunday. Immediately following the show. Subscribe now. $10 tier uh, to get that. Uh, I can't wait. And, and we always say, too, the chat room is always buzzing after these one of these shows. Good, bad, whatever. It's and, and well, I don't think it'll be bad. I think it'll be good. But that chat room is buzzing. It's a fun. Ex- it's just a party. Everyone's just having fun, having a good time. If it's bad, people are arguing with each other. It's just a blast, no matter what. Uh, so make sure you're there. Flagship Patreon.com, Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, uh, Voices of Wrestling.com slash Patreon. Ten dollar tier, instant reaction live, immediately following Forbidden Door this Sunday. Uh, Joe, real quick, uh, some other stuff going on. Forbidden Door weekend. If you're going to Toronto. Uh, for Forbidden Door. First off, I am very jealous. Uh, but second off, you have some wrestling that you can watch that's outside of the purview of AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. We've collected all this stuff at VoicesOfWrestling.com, by the way, if you want to find that uh, on our website. We also have uh, weekend events and schedules for SummerSlam weekend, as well as All In weekend uh, in London. SummerSlam taking place in Detroit. So uh, Griffin Peltier helping us out uh, with these as well, kind of keeping track of all of these other events. So if you're in town, Friday, June 23rd, Super Wonder Wrestling taking place in the Super Wonder Gallery, Joe, uh, in Toronto. Scheduled to appear, Rob Rage, Ricky Wilde, Bradford Montague, and Clash Kincaid. Super all Wonder Wrestling. Stars, <laughs> all the stars, All the stars are going to be there at, at Super Wonder stars. Wrestling at the Super Wonder Gallery Friday, June 23rd, 9 p.m. Saturday, June 24th, Junction City Wrestling presents Schools Out. 6 p.m. from Shecklands Brewery in Toronto. Parking Lot Brawl. Only one match on the book so far. Parking Lot Brawl. Plenty of time, guys, to book the rest of it. No rush. Uh, Matt Black versus John Gonzalez. Parking Lot Brawl. Also scheduled to appear Moon Miss, Space Monkey. You remember Space Monkey. Karoo. And Gabriel Fuerza will be there as well. Junction City Wrestling schools out. Great. Then you got Collision, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna punt that for a minute because we'll talk about all the upcoming AEW shows in a little bit. But yeah, you got Collision coming up uh, that weekend as well. Great Canadian wrestling live wrestling is going to be taking place from Peterborough in Ontario. I don't know how far away that is from Toronto. Griffin put this put this together, and he's Canadian, so I don't know. I don't know how far Peterborough is from uh, Ontario or from uh, it's, Toronto. Uh, it's over by uh, Saskatoon, I think. Uh, that's far, so I hope it's not over by Saskatoon. I think that's kind of far okay. if it's over by over over by there uh, in Saskatoon. That's going to be tough to get there, but uh, it's at the venue, a very easy to find venue called the venue. Uh, in Peterborough, uh, Ontario. Also, you have Pro Wrestling Ontario, the Amazing Canadian Brawl Three from the Germania Club of Hamilton in Hamilton, Ontario. Open weight championship: Evan Greenaway defending against Greed, Travis Moore versus Don Pianzo, Pisano, sure. Pisano, Pisano, Pisano. Let's go, Pisano. PD Skills, Arrow, and Forte versus Alec Realm, Kyle Boone, and Johnny DeLuca. Matthew Grant versus Tyler Hill. Hey, at least they booked an entire show. Holden Albright versus a member of Disgraceland. Which member? Find out at Pro Wrestling Ontario, the Amazing Canadian Brawl 3. Uh, Rip Impact versus Gabriel, Gabriel Fuerza. Gabriel Fuerza getting a lot of work out this weekend. And Jesse Bieber. And then also, title for title, Joe. Internet Championship versus the Southern Ontario Championship. Mark Shaw 
Devon Parkside. You're not going to want to miss it. Or maybe you will. I am. I am most <laughs> Definitely certainly going to want to miss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think, I, uh... Which I believe you are going to miss that one. Smash Wrestling. You remember? You know Smash Wrestling. They're coming to the. Wow. They're coming to the weekend as well, and they're going to be with uh, (laughs) Girls Next Door. They're doing a show called Girls Next Door uh, on Sunday, June 25th, 11.30 a.m. So if you want to catch Forbidden Door later that night, you are fine. 11.30 a.m. from the rec room uh, in Toronto. you got Mercedes Martinez versus Masha Slamovich. Smash Wrestling Women's Championship, Nikita versus Liza Hall, Trisha Dora versus Vanessa Craven, Jody Threat versus Allie Catch, the uh, Femme Fatales Championship, Alexia Nicole versus Nicole Matthews, Taylor Rising versus uh, Silesia Sparks, uh, Mary Lee Rose and Casey Spinelli versus Miley and Christara. There you go. Defy wrestling. My, uh, oh, go I, ahead. I got, I got, I got. Oh, there's more. Oh, <laughs> there's great. More. Um, <laughs> We're not I'm, done yet, pal. We're not done yet. Well, that's good because I'm, I'm preparing my passport as we speak. You sold me on the Ally Cat. Yeah, you the Ally me. Cat's going to be there at, uh, at okay. Smash Wrestling's great. Girls Next Door at the Tell me all about Defy. Tell me all about it, Rich. Well, Defy and your good friends at Progress Wrestling are coming over. <laughs> oh, oh, fantastic. fantastic. Defy X Progress, the real Forbidden Door. Defy opening it to. Progress, 3 p.m. from the rec room uh, in Toronto. Big match here. Progress Championship. Your boy, Spike Trivet versus Artemis Spencer. Spike Trivet, oh, Artemis Spencer. Chef oh, versus yeah. Brian Keith. Now, that sounds pretty good. I'm into Chef versus Brian Keith. I'll watch that. Yeah. All right. No, no you. What about this one? You're not going to watch that match, Rich. Stop lying. I'm not going to watch that match. What about the Bollywood boys, Harv and Gurv? Do you know this? You don't know this match, right? I don't know any of these <laughs> matches. Hooventude Guerrera and Matt Cross, M Dog Twenty, and Hoovy Juice versus the Bollywood Boys. All right. Charles Crowley versus Gringo Loco, <laughs> and a Defy Women's Championship match: Vert Vixen versus Nicole Matthews. Versus session session moth Martina versus Joe, the Ally Cat Alley Catch. Hopefully she's got an early match at the uh, at the at the girls next door. She can get over to the rec room for Defy X Progress and get a, a big part of this women's four way Defy Vert Vixen Nicole Matthews Alley Catch and Session Moth Martina, and that's it. That's all uh, I got here. So yeah, the 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 the, the session moth is still at it. Uh, apparently, it, yeah, huh? I didn't, I didn't know that either. But uh, all right, still doing okay. it. Still same gimmick. I, 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 feel like, fucking... I feel like that gimmick after you know the events of June 2020 maybe should have been put to the side. Yeah. <laughs> you know the uh, yeah. European wrong with a party. I, I guess. Yeah, I guess you know. I the gimmick. You know, it's an Irish thing. I'm not. You know, okay. different culture can't judge. You know yeah, what I'm I just I would have maybe so, after uh, after those events yeah. maybe you know. I hear you. Rebranded a little I bit hear after, you, you know. <laughs> I don't know if girl gets All really right. drunk at European wrestling parties exactly the, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, you make a good point. I just you think maybe we point. should have altered it a little bit. But, you know, you know. it is what it is. Session Moth Martina. At, uh, there you session go. Session Moth. Yeah. <laughs> what a term. What a term. Well, the Europeans always come up with great terms. I mean, I don't know where they come up with this session stuff, but... <laughs> 
it's just great, you know. It's just totally. I call, you know I call what people that is tossers. I call people is. tossers all the time. Now I'm so glad I learned about that term. Yeah. It's such a great term. Yeah, no, it's. I don't do in the bin. I know stuff. some people do in the bin. I, I do tossers. I call guys fucking tossers. I will all the break time, out so. and in the bin. I will break out and in the bin. I will. I will bust that out for sure. I do use that one. <laughs> Session. Um, what a great term. <laughs> it's so good. You know. It's so good. You know what that is without having to know. Like, it tells you what <laughs> right, you need right, to know. Right. Like, if you think about it for more than yeah, 20 yeah, seconds, yeah. Like, you're like, if you're, oh. if you're like, hey, what is that? Stop for a sec. You can even pause this or, or what. And, and yeah, yeah. It, think about it a little bit. And then, you know. Right. She's out there in her leopard print leggings. And <laughs> yeah, just having a good time. She's, she's got her glow stick and her fucking beer. Um, yeah. There you go. Well, so, great. You know, Rich, I'm, I'm glad you gave me that rundown. I'm, yeah, hopefully I'm, that uh, passport is updated. I hope it didn't expire, Joe. I'm prepared for all that hot action with all the stars coming to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Spike Trivet, Artemis Spencer. Uh, I mean, you can't miss that. Spike Trivet, yeah. I mean, you'll get his name right one of these times. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> I don't care to get it right. It's, uh, there's, here's the thing, though, with that progress show. Uh, with, with Defy X progress um no gene money no gene money no buys i'm no. sorry Rich. oh yeah that's right yeah your, your progress is is yeah you're not you're not if if you don't have gene money out there money with the tape over, gene money <laughs> gene money if you don't have gene money out there with the tape over his nipples it's not progress to me it's not okay? that's, that's it's not modern progress yeah that's not new progress. N U E new. Pro- it's not new progress. If I don't have Gene money out there with his fucking nipples taped over with the electrical tape, that's, and I don't, and I don't recall you mentioning Gene money. I don't believe. Show. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he can't come into the country or something. I don't, I don't know what, uh, what's causing him to not be there, but uh, so apologize. It's going to have to be, as they say on the streets, rich, a hard pass from me. <laughs> on the, uh, Defy X progress show. Yeah, and then of course uh, uh, Forbidden Door coming up. Uh, probably, probably in Toronto. That's probably the only wrestling show you need to go to. It's a lovely city. Go to a Blue Jays game. Go walk around the city. Yeah, yeah. A collision. Yeah. No, that's yeah. in. That's not in Toronto. No, that's in Toronto. Yeah, same um, building. Same building. No, that's in Toronto. Yeah, collision yeah. in Toronto. That's yeah. right. Scotia Bank. Um, Swerve Strickland versus Tanahashi. Yeah, let, let's get to that match. show. Let's get to that show right now. This Sunday, Scotia Bank Arena in Toronto. Uh, Tanahashi, Swerve Strickland, Andrade versus Brody King, uh, Willow Nightingale versus Nyla Rose in the uh, women's uh, tournament quarterfinal, uh, and then CM Punk, FTR, and Ricky Starks versus Bullet Club Gold, Jay White and Juice Robinson, as well as The Guns, Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn. Yeah, um, that Swerve Tanahashi match is a real weird one, isn't it? It's, yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, I'm glad I mean, it's Tanahashi happening, has but it's to weird. Win. Yeah, That's it's, it's strange. Yeah. Um, someone in the chat, another uh, European phrase, sick to the back teeth. That's a really good one. I, <laughs> I might have to. <laughs> that's like, that's like, sick I'm annoyed of you, right? Teeth. That's like, I'm annoyed of you or you're, you're annoying me, right? I'm sick to the back teeth, mate. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah bro. Like that, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. No, that's a, is that in Peppa Pig? Is that in Peppa Pig a lot too, or no? Sick to the back teeth? No, they don't. No, Peppa Pig doesn't fuck with that kind of shit. You know, that's that's like a kids show. You know, 
but uh, well, you don't get a lot of those. The, the pig could be annoyed at somebody, right? It's not. Is it too? It's not that vile of a term, is it? No, I know but session I mean, moths are not being discussed in type of pig, but I know. I don't no, know definitely what, not. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. But no, I no. You don't get a lot of those uh, European phrases on Peppa Pig, though. Just the, just really the accent. Don't. You just get the accent. That just your kids the accent, have adopted. and maybe some of the some of the words are, are you know. Are, are they still? You know, are they still? Uh, the kids still. They've grown out of it anyway. Okay, okay. They're not giving you the the, like, the weird European phrases they were giving you before where you're like, all right, no, none of that. No, the, the only time you get a Peppa Pig around here is if, like, the internet's out and they can't stream and they have to put on Nickelodeon and it's on. Like, they'll 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 put it on. You know what I mean? But, like, they're not choosing to watch Peppa Pig. It's over. Anymore. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Kids move on quickly. Like, they'll they'll watch something... Well, and, and you still think of, it's their favorite show ever, and then you'll ask them, and they're like, no, I hate that show. And you're like, okay, <laughs> you loved it like two weeks ago, but sure, all right. Yeah, and then like a grandparent will get them something for their birthday, and they'll open it, and we're thinking, oh, no, they don't like this anymore, and and, and they're kids, so they're going to say something mean, right? And you have to like, all right, well, let's get the next gift in there, you know, before they say, <laughs> right. I don't like this anymore, you know? <laughs> you know, Peppa Pig is for babies, you know, and then, you know, they ruin the whole fucking party. You know, so no, the kids move on very quickly. You know, they, they, they love something for six months, which is like 38% of their life. And then they like the next thing, you know? So now it's no longer a Peppa Pig house. No, that's, that's a shame. But, uh, there you go. So that is uh, that's collision coming up this Saturday. Also, uh, as we're talking about the the, the future schedule AEW's got coming up, uh, AEW Collision episode three. This is a weird one. That's the one in Hamilton that they're taping on the 29th, but airing on the first. I got a little confused uh, earlier in the show when I was doing the rundown, thinking, well, "Why the hell did I put June 29th?" Right, because that's the one that they're taping on a Thursday airing on July 1st from Hamilton. That is going to feature Owen Hart Foundation uh, men's quarterfinal match. Roderick Strong versus Samoa Joe. Jesus Christ. I love it. Roderick Strong, Samoa Joe. Powerhouse Hobbs versus Dustin Rhodes. And Juice Robinson versus Ricky Starks, which I guess gets us to the whole men's Owen Hart bracket here, which I guess we can kind of talk a little little bit because they've started to kind of talk about what we're going to get with this bracket. We know the whole bracket. We know where everything's going to go. So we got CM Punk versus Toshi Kojima. We, I mean, come on. We know CM Punk's winning that match. Come, Like we said, it it, it would take... There's nothing in the world that's going to stop CM Punk from pinning Satoshi Kojima and winning that match uh, to move on in the tournament. Then you have the setup for... Samoa Joe versus Roderick Strong. I'm assuming Samoa Joe moves forward. We do CM Punk and, and, and Samoa Joe, but is that wasting too good of a match in the semifinals of the Owen Hart tournament? No, because that's going to be a long-term program, like I've been telling people. That's, uh, you know, Punk is going to have other programs while he's having the Joe program. The Joe program is going to be a long arc. So what they could do, and I don't know what they're going to do, but Joe could win that if they want to tell the story of Punk has never been able to beat this guy because Punk has never beaten Samoa Joe in a singles match in any promotion anywhere. So they have that built-in story they can go to if they want to. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe Joe hands Punk an L in that semifinal. And, you know, they're also pushing Joe as this long-term ROH television champion on the ROH side, so I don't know. But the, the Owen bracket is very interesting because you could get Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks in the other semifinal. I was going to say, rekindling. That, that stuff, I'm booking that for sure, if that if that's where I'm going. I mean, Dustin Rhodes, I, there's a 0% chance. I mean, Hobbs is no, winning. Hobbs is winning. Yeah, Hobbs is like, winning Juice that one. could win. 
that's the one I don't know. The, the Starks and Juice is as close of a 50-50 as I could talk about. I, I'm pretty confident Samoa Joe is going to beat Roderick Strong and move on in that. I'm 100% confident that Punk's going to win. I'm 100% confident that Hobbs is going to win. Starks and Juice is as close to a 50-50. I don't know. I would probably pick Starks because I like the idea of Starks and Hobbs in the semifinal. And I also like the idea of, of Punk versus Starks in the final, too, as a way yeah, maybe to put yeah. Starks over as yeah. well. If you want to have Punk take a loss to somebody... You know, a Stark uh, putting Starks over on uh, uh, and and giving him that big moment is pretty cool. Or even if Punk does beat him, giving Starks a big moment where he goes fifty fifty with Punk and 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 almost pulls it out, but but just barely loses. That's a good story to tell as well. If Juice beats him in the first round, that's kind of it again for Starks. And I think that they've they've there's been too much stuttering with Starks lately, and too much of this this getting his ass kicked and beaten down and destroyed that he's just gotta beat juice here i i think i i would hate it if he didn't beat it but it i do think from a booking standpoint it's closer to 50 50 than, than anything else in this tournament i just feel like because starks had to do the uh had to had to lose to um ultimately lose the feud to jay white but he he got the advantage in every other way he threw both of those guys out of the battle royal he beat um he beat uh uh Juice Robinson the first time he could beat Juice Robinson this time. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, because Khan has been very careful the way he books that whole feud. Cause he doesn't want Jay white or Ricky Starks to, to come out of it looking bad. But the thing is punk could face if he get, if he even gets to the final, cause I think he could lose to Joe. He could face Starks or Hobbs in the final, because those are two guys that punk also personally believes in and, and wants to work with. So, it's a very intriguing tournament because really um, there's a ton of different possibilities. The only thing that really can happen, you know, Kojima can't win and Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes, yeah, is know. not winning that tournament. And Roderick Strong probably can't win either. But anything else is on the table. Any other combination for semifinals or final, you know, is on the table. So it's it's an interesting looking tournament. Uh, and then the women's uh, own heart bracket. Uh, you got yeah. Anna Jay versus Sky Blue. Um, spoiler Great. that already happened. Oh, looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't look that forward to it. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. Stunned. Uh, Nyla Rose versus Willow Nightingale and Athena versus Billy Stark. So Athena is beating Billy Starks. We know that Willow is beating Nyla Rose. So we're going to get Athena versus Willow Nightingale, uh, at, at some point. That sounds like a hell of a match. And, uh, then Britt Baker and Ruby Soho versus, uh, well, Anna Jay and Sky Blue. I don't really want to, I don't want to, I want to spoil a big result for people, but, uh, you know. We'll see what happens there. But uh, I would assume Britt Baker is is winning that match and moving on. But it also works if, if Ruby wins, you know, based on who, you know, <laughs> Sky Blue won the match. Uh, so it's, it's Sky Blue versus whoever. It it, I, it works better if it's Ruby, but you, it, I have a hard time buying Britt losing to Ruby Soho at this point. Unless all the other, you know, Soraya runs in and Tony runs in and that's how Britt loses and that's how you move Ruby on to the next round or whatever. I, that, that would be the only way to do that. And maybe that's what they do. Because then it works better in the second round, Sky Blue versus Ruby. That that kind of fits with the story. But, you know, I don't know. If, if you're trying to keep star power involved in this tournament, I, I don't know that you want to remove Britt from from it that early. But I don't know. Maybe they think Willow and, and Athena are stars, too. So Take it you're not as intrigued by the women's own heart bracket. Ah, Rich, you covered it all, my friend. You did a great job there. <laughs> I got it all, yeah. Um, er, I, uh, it's certainly lacking. It, it seems like it's lacking a little bit. Athena rocks, so that'll be at least fun uh, to watch her. I should just win. She should just win the whole thing. Some right people can see what she's doing because she's doing some pretty great work. 
Uh, Good job, Rich. You've left me speechless. You've done <laughs> it again. It again. I've done it again. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yes. That is the women's Owen Hearts brackets uh, there, and that is AEW. Again, uh, to let everybody know, Instagram Action Live coming up this Sunday, immediately after Forbidden Door, $10 tier. Uh, if you want to subscribe and do that, you also unlock all of our other live shows, live flagships, Instant Reaction Live for AEW Collision, the debut of AEW Collision from last week, uh, Instant Reaction Live of last week's Dynamite as well, and all the other writing we do, all the bonus audio, everything else you're going to get for $10, so well, well worth it. We also have a $5 tier if you want bonus audio like Thursday uh, Dynamite Review every single week. Uh, my series, Sky's the Limit right now on the Cruiserweight Classic, You know, seven years later going back and reliving the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, also, my series on the American Wrestling Federation, Paul Alperstein's American Wrestling Federation, uh, that is ongoing right now as well. On the five dollar tier, so plenty of stuff there for you. Best value uh, in the biz, as the kids say. Uh, flash your patreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, voices of wrestling.com slash patreon. But yeah, make sure you're there for instant reaction live Sunday, immediately after the show. So, uh, let's for uh, they've been asking for whether we're, we're gonna do collision reviews on the uh, on the patreon. I, I, I will say. How about that? How about a we'll see? Yeah, Saturdays are tough. That? Yeah, Saturdays. I mean, you're not getting you're not getting live Saturday shows every week. That'd be great. I love Saturday yeah. into Sunday morning. We'll see. We'll see. I'm gonna feel it out. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we we gotta talk because there's 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 a possibility that I you know I, I wake up early on Sundays so I could possibly you know pitch hit every so often as well. It takes them off of you. We'll we'll see. Especially come I mean come football season, man. You're not gonna Joe's not doing that show. So we'll we'll. Uh... Saturday collision review? Uh, so no, it'd be Sunday collision review. It'd be Sunday, yeah. If you're gonna do your your day after yeah. thing where you use the wrong the date for the show that happened the day. Well, yeah, because well, it's the yeah. Thursday dynamite review. And <laughs> I know, I know. I know. The, the, the Sunday uh, collision review. Uh, we'll see. You know, be a long. Yeah, I mean, it'd be early day Sunday. You know, I have to do that very early in the morning in football season. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm not missing Browns Titans kicking off the clock. Rich. That's <laughs> not happening. Say, I was gonna say now, if, if we end up doing it, I I I I am more than happy to pinch hit from uh, September until uh, <laughs> January because uh, I don't think you're doing too many. I uh, think people would enjoy your perspective here on these shows. And, uh, you know, how many times can I tell you I'm sick of Ty of Valkyrie? I mean, you know, <laughs> well, I'm I, not gonna I, change that. <laughs> They're sick of hearing Rich, you say you're sick Rich, of Ty of Valkyrie. They're gonna get real sick of me saying I'm sick of Ty of Valkyrie. Rich so. is gonna have an alternate view. He respects her work. Oh, love and, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, yeah. How putrid was that match? Fucking oh, terrible. God. Oh, Chris uh, Stanlander having to work at a quarter speed to keep up with her. Yuck. And Stanlander's not exactly, you know, Minami Toyota over there. It's like she's having Definitely to like not. you know. All right, let's get everybody back up. Okay, now we'll do our move. All right, so, you know, it's just like, oh my god, half speed. And let me tell you, uh, SRO in the old bathrooms during that match. I'll tell you, not that I knew. I was obviously in my seat, but uh, I was hearing word from yes. many people that uh, that the uh, <laughs> yeah. the bathrooms many, lines were full for that match. Many so. many chicken fingers were bought. Yes, yes, one. not not me. No, I was sitting in my seat intently watching yeah. two of my favorite grapplers go at it. But uh, yeah, word yeah. around the, uh, yeah. the the concourse was that uh, the bathroom line was uh, quite large for that match. So, yeah, you know, I, not not exactly Joyce Grable versus uh, <laughs> Joyce you know Grable. Uh... <laughs> Joyce Grable. <laughs> was she a, was she a big draw? Joyce Grable. What's what's her drawing record? Joyce Grable. <laughs> yeah, what's her drawing Ask, record? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I and now no, she was not Joyce Grable, but uh, you know, I, it's who I thought of. Rich, what do you want from me? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I should have went with Judy Martin, but you know, I, I, I you know, I like I, you got to get it from voice and every so often. So, so, so Joyce Grable. Yeah, you want, you want me to go with a Don? You like a Donna Christianello a little better? You want me to go with Donna Christianello? <laughs> I love a good yeah. Donna Christianello. Yeah. Good little worker. Right. Good little worker. Joshi the WWF deep dive. Flagship Patreon.com. A lot of Donna Cristinello in there. A lot all of better than Taya. Too. That, that's the point all better. They're all, all better, better than, than Ty Valkyrie. Yeah. Every single one of them. Velvet McIntyre. All right undeniably. Yeah. Every, we can list. We can be here up for an hour listing numerous American women's wrestlers that were better than Ty Valkyrie and, and are better. So. Do you remember when? Um, do you remember when? Uh, when? 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 Big time Bex. When Becky Lynch on Twitter was bragging about being the first Irish women's title holder in yeah. WWE. And I, what, and I well actually her Velvet McIntyre I do. and I, and I, and I broke her heart. Do you remember that? I don't remember yeah. what, what did she say? I don't even remember. She, she, she was, she, she said she aware of it or something and, and, and apologized for the mistake. <laughs> I, I totally ruined her fucking day when, I will actually her on Twitter. I'm sure it's not Velvet McIntyre. They all delete everything, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, actually, in 1983, Velvet McIntyre. You know, I I, I got her, but um, she wasn't aware of that, and I, I, think I heard her feelings. Rich, <laughs> big time Bex. Got to know your history, big time Bex. Um, got to know your history. You know, no, fuck that. You got to know your history. Yeah. Velvet I don't Mac- think she. I don't think she was trying to make things up. I just don't think she. She knew, knew that Velvet McIntyre. Yeah, that, that whole the well, the women's the lineage of the women's titles in that company too, is, especially is, those women's tag team titles. Yeah, back. it's a oh disaster. God, like, yeah, it would just disappear or whatever the fuck. Oh, how about these wrestling ratings? We got to talk a little bit about this. I yeah, everybody's watching time. wrestling. It, it, we're we're are we boom period here? What are we doing here? So first of all, people are into this fucking bloodline. These quarter hours for the bloodline are just, you know, out of control. Did you see NXT? Yeah, I saw Seth freaking Rollins. Almost got a million people watching that show. Yeah, 0.23, 773,000. It did like a bad dynamite number. And the Seth Rollins, Braun Breakar overrun did 950,000 viewers in a 0.29. Give Seth his credit. You you just got to give him credit. He drew. Now, I think what their plan is, they're trying to pump up the numbers on that show with the with the TV deal coming up is what they're doing with NXT. So they're injecting it with all this main roster star power. And um, listen, Rich, that's a far cry from Charlotte 9000. OK, he made a, a, a an enormous difference. Oh, yeah, he did in, in that NXT rating. So you got to give Seth credit for that. Raw. 1.821 million. They were up enormously from the week before. Now with the asterisk that they went up against the NBA finals the week before. So keep that in mind. But Raw was still up big with the 0.56, 1.821 million. That's not a great overall number for Raw, um, but it was up big from the week before. The people who still don't realize that, you know, some of these big sport events take a big chunk. Well, there's an example. And then uh, Dynamite, 902,000 and a 0.33. So that's what collision did on Saturday, a point three three. Was it nine hundred and thirty thousand people watching the concession stand brawl as well? Yeah, second biggest quarter hour behind the MJF Adam Cole stuff. So um that was a draw. Uh collision did eight hundred and sixteen thousand total viewers. Dynamite did nine oh two. What's interesting about that is Dynamite did better with the over fifties. You would think 
But would you think, I think people assumed that collision would do better with the over 50s, but I'm not sure why. Because if you think about it logically, with all of the sports competition on Saturdays, the over 50s watch sports over 50, 50-year-old 50 plus men. So they're they're more likely to be locked into the College World Series and the UFC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or the fucking... or they're just, you know, they don't have a, they're, they're watching something with their wives or something, you know what I mean? Like there's way more opportunity for over 50 to be, you know, watching It'd something else or, or doing something else on, on, on a Saturday night a other Saturday. than being able yeah. to throw on the wrestling. Whereas like, yeah, you're, you're younger, you know, single or, 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 you know, whatever audience is, is probably more apt to being able to throw on whatever the hell they want on a Saturday. Like you said, the over fifties are either watching sports or they're watching, you know, movie or do, you know what I mean? Like on, on a Saturday, I could definitely see not being able to pop on, you know, the pro wrestling on a Saturday night and watching it on, on the main TV or whatever. But either way, both shows with the point three three did very well. Um, all the wrestling did well on TV this week. I did want to bring this up very quickly, and then we can move on. Um, did you happen to see the New Japan ratings for the last month? Yeah, I, I've not. completely lost track of the New Japan ratings. No. Do you, do you have them handy? Yeah, I want to pull this up. So this is courtesy WrestleNomics. He's got the last four weeks. And the – okay, so I'll go through them. May 25th was Hiromu and Mike Bailey in the main event. That did 54,000 viewers. The next week was Monet versus Willow Nightingale. That did 59,000 viewers. The next week was the Super Junior Final, Watto and Teton. That did 69,000 viewers. And then uh, uh, June 15th was Will Ospreay, Lance Archer. That did 68,000 viewers. So basically the same as the Super Junior Final. My point here is the Monet match did the second lowest number in total viewers hmm. over the last four weeks. And listen to this. This is even more damning. It had the strong, it had the uh, it had a stronger lead-in than the Osprey Archer match because Impact did 126,000 viewers the Monet week, and Impact did 104,000 viewers the Osprey week. So what this is telling me is Monet, there's nothing special about her appearing on New Japan TV anymore. If you remember her initial appearance on New Japan TV, did a good, really good number. And Wrestle Kingdom matches did really good numbers on, on Axis. Now, you know, I'm not going to read into her doing her match doing the second lowest of the four weeks. I think the numbers are so low that the margin of error could really affect a lot of this. Basically, they're all doing in the same neighborhood between, you know, 60 and 70,000 viewers per week. But the point is, she's not performing above and beyond as a television draw at this point anymore for New Japan. So I thought that was notable when I was looking at this. Um, you know, because the week before, the Hiromu-Mike Bailey match that did, you know, 54,000 viewers, only 96,000 people watched that impact. Okay? Impact increased by 30,000 viewers the next week. But the Monet Nightingale match did the same amount of viewers as the Hiromu Mike Bailey match. Yeah, that that, that is did... that is really interesting. Okay. That, that show is so weird though that like I forget that it's even on half the time, and I don't know if that's just me being like the type of fan that I am that there's no need for me to know that that show's on. So like I just don't even care, or it's out of sight, out of mind, or I see promotion about it and I just forget about it. It doesn't feel like it exists. Like I know Impact is on. I know when Impact is on. You know what I mean? Like, but I I never I forget that that show even exists. New Japan on Access, and I, I record it every single week. 
And I don't even know why, because then I look and I'm like, I watched all these matches. Why am I recording this? And I delete it. So I never even end up watching it, really. And and, and for whatever reason, yeah, I, I don't know if other people have that same experience with New Japan on Access, but like you just mentioned it there, have you looked at the ratings? And it's like, oh yeah, no, I, I haven't. Like I, it's 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 almost entirely out of sight, out of mind for me. Uh, and I, I do wonder if a lot of other wrestling fans have that. But like you're saying, the lead-in of Impact should you know help certain nights, and it doesn't seem to, or that particular the, the, the Mercedes Willow should have done a big improvement because there was a lot of people watching Impact, and obviously if they hear, hey, you know, Mercedes is going to be here, it, you know, they might stick around, but they didn't. So that 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 is pretty telling, even though yeah, the numbers and the margins that we're it talking here are pretty slim. Every Impact they promo the New Japan show that's coming up next, and they tell you what's on it. So. I just don't think she does. She means anything for that little access show anymore. Is that kind of some referendum on her drawing power? Uh, probably not. But I, I, I do feel like she, she doesn't feel as hot as she did when she first made the jump. I, 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 I feel like kind of a lot of that is worn off. And I understand she's hurt now and all that. And her return will be a big deal whenever she returns. I think. But I think she's a good example of someone who wrestling so sporadically. Sometimes that keeps you special and it works. Other times it makes people forget about you. It's almost like, oh yeah, Monet is wrestling again, right? Like it ha- each successive match hasn't been like this giant deal, like her appearing at the Tokyo Dome. Right. She just became a part of the larger wrestling world a lot quicker than I think most yeah. people expected her to just be like, oh yeah, Mercedes. Yeah, she's solid. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what it felt like she was that like. By the time that Willow match happened, it was just like, yeah, Mercedes is just a part of, you know, the wrestling ecosystem now. It, not like this special thing. But, like, you watch that that match, and, and she's the most over person in that entire building. So yeah. it's like it was still coming across that way that when she came in, there was that star presence. But in terms of, of ticket sales and TV ratings and stuff, maybe it, it hasn't been reflected as much. But that could just be a byproduct of her not being in big spots or the, you know, the limited reach that, you know, New Japan you know, of America might have. In America, yeah, itself. but I'm, com- I'm yeah, that's true. But I'm comparing it to other episodes of New Japan. Right, I'm right, not comparing right. it to, you know what I mean. I'm not holding her to to any kind of. I'm holding her to the standard of her own television show. That show is and so like on the margins, though. It's I don't know. It's, that's, it's yeah, it, that's it's so hard for me to make a grand pro- proclamation about this like difference of you know five to ten thousand fans coming and going. No, because that could be margin of error. It could just be like you're, yeah, absolutely, uh, undoubtedly, but what we know for sure is she's not making any kind of difference above and beyond anybody else on that show. Right. That is a fact, mm-hmm, mm. right? Even if, um, you know, so I don't know. I just thought it was interesting when I was looking over those numbers, but um, we do know that the wrestle kingdom stuff and her first match, I mean that they, they essentially doubled their television audience for that stuff. So people show up for that little show when it's something that they perceive to be big. And, nobody is perceiving the recent stuff as big, you know, but you know, look, I don't expect people to rush to their TVs for master Watto versus Teton. Right. But I, I would have expected a Monet match to maybe do a little better than some of those other bouts over the last month. Anyway, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. I just thought it was something interesting and something to keep an eye on. I think uh, dark side has been doing pretty good as well. If I remember correctly, I'm, I'm trying to pump up, uh, get those numbers going. Uh, right now, but I think Dark Side of the Ring this 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 season's been doing pretty good too. I, haven't, I, I don't know if you've caught any of the episodes. I have them all on my DVR. I, the Dark Side I tend to do like a 
one day it'll be like a weird Saturday morning and I just watch like all five that I have in my DVR. So I haven't seen any of the uh, uh, episodes this this season yet, but I've heard good things uh, so far about them. And I, I think they've been doing pretty solid ratings wise uh, uh, too. So good, good for them. Yeah, I haven't watched any of this season. Um, it's never a show I watch religiously week to week. I usually just spend a lazy Saturday crash watching all of them is usually how I handle it. But um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't yeah, the, the most recent so. for man people tuned in for Dunk the Clown, Matt Bourne, the story of him. Two hundred one thousand viewers uh, for that. Uh, yeah, I heard that one. I heard that one wasn't very good and skipped a lot of stuff. So. Oh, really? Yeah, we we were wondering if they were going to uh, really dig into Ray Apollo's past, but no, it was just about Matt Bourne. The Graham family had one hundred ninety seven thousand. Uh, the Magnum T episode one hundred fifty five thousand. Uh, and Candido and Tammy Sitch, 147,000. So growing as the season's going on, which I guess is uh, is good news. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that 201,000 is not bad. But, yeah, if the episode wasn't great, that, that stinks a little bit because that's, that's one of the highest audiences they've had in looking here, going all the way back to Chris Canyon in September of 2021. Uh, was the last one to get over 200,000 viewers for them. So that's that's good. Looks like the all-timer is still Owen Hart at uh, – 349,000 for that episode. So that was a. Wasn't that a season premiere, too? That was a season ender, I believe, was the Owen Hart. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the end of, of season two, I want to say. I, I, don't, I forget what seasons begin where or whatever. But yeah, it was, it was a season concluding uh, episode, I believe, of season two. So. Um, all right. So there you go. That is the world of ratings. Uh, Joe, do you want to stick in uh, Japan uh, since we were talking a little bit about New Japan or let's, we can go to all Japan? Yeah, OK, let's, let's, let's talk Japan, about uh, so. all Japan's June 17th show uh, highlighted by Yuji Nagata, Yuma Anzai, triple crown title match. Uh, when we started the show, Joe, I told you I have not seen the rest of the show. I have since caught up on the rest of the show. I was watching it as we were going here, which is is fine. You don't need the audio. I don't know what they're saying anyway, so I don't need to see it. But uh, so. Very quickly, though, before that, I, I, I can I can run through all the big all Japan matches um, from that week, and then we can we can hit the Nagata match. So yeah, I yeah, watched do that. I watched the title matches from because we haven't talked all Japan in a while. So uh, I watched the title matches off of the title matches and the pertinent stuff off of the other shows. So the six eleven show in Fukushima, the uh, I, I I actually did waste my time with the uh, six man tag team title match, which is you know the undercard guys, ATM Black Menso Ray and Takeo Omori, oh. and uh, they had an absolutely horrendous title Black defense Menso against. It's so bad. <clears throat> no, but the, the opposing team was even worse. Oh. I don't know if you've seen Gorgeous Matsuno lately. Um, you know I don't know if he's popped up on your radar uh, recently. The, the you know the old DDT wrestler gorgeous Matsuno he is fucking brutal he, he I'm telling you <laughs> why is he getting this booked? Was one of the why are they booking him well it's like a this title is like a prelim comedy thing for the most part he teamed with whoever's doing the black tiger thing now and um a gimmick I'm not familiar with this Asawa number one someone I'm not even I don't even know who that is but um Matsuno though was fucking horrendous. This was the worst. Got to be in his sixties now, right? <laughs> like, he's I don't so think old. he's that old. He's just he's been around. Yeah, he's sixty two. You're right. He's sixty two years old. Um, I'll say this: he looks great for sixty two. That if you want to hear something nice, but his performance was the fucking shits. But uh, anyway, the champions retained. I like ATM as a little prelim guy. He he's got like the 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 the. 
because his gimmick is he's an ATM machine. So he has like the dollar bills all over him. And he's like, I don't know. I, I'm for, it, for a dumb. It feels very gimmick, unbecoming I of, I, 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 I agree, but it's also feels very unbecoming of, uh, all Japan pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Like not, I, I don't feel like yeah. my all Japan pro wrestling needs a guy named ATM that carries around a, a sign that says ATM. on it. So. I think there's a certain charm to Takeo Omori teaming with black Menso Ray and an ATM. <laughs> a man named ATM. A, a literal with a, a tea <laughs> kettle and an ATM machine. Yeah, an like, automatic teller something... machine. Yeah. Um, All Asia tag team titles, Onita and Yoshitatsu. Remember Onita got hurt, but refused to vacate the titles. And uh, so he, he doubted. <laughs> sounds, like yeah, sounds like Onita. Sounds like Onita. And he was. So they took on uh, Hikaru Sato and uh, Ru uh, Kawamura, another old shooter, in, in and yet another barbed wire double barricade. Matt Megaton, current blast death match, Rich. And um, you can imagine what that was like. Um, Onita is just completely shot. I was thinking about this earlier today. I think if try to put together the worst possible pro wrestling match you could put together that's realistic that can actually be done that would still draw money and i think the answer is onita versus nick gage yes because that would that would be big and people would buy tickets in america yeah people would buy a ton of tickets to that show people would watch that show if it was streaming live and it would yeah. fucking suck. It would be brutal. Beyond awful. It would be so bad. But I'd and watch that's it. Even I'd watch live. I'd watch live. You'd watch live. We don't watch live. Come on. That's even factoring for the fact that Gage has gotten into better shape and isn't as bad as he was like last year or whatever. But Onita, oh my god, he was so fucking bad in this match. And I understand he's all banged up and everything. Yeah, I, I, I watched that uh, six man that he was in in the show that we're going to talk about, and I was like, oh boy, we need to. Uh, we're starting to. It's Onita, and he's already kind of ridiculous, but it's it's starting to get like I don't know the right word. It's yeah. sad. I don't know. It's just like completely unrealistic that this guy can still wrestle at all. You know, what I mean? it, it, he's he's yeah, it's, uh, it's over. They did the explosions. Look, I, I am still a supporter of Onita doing the exploding matches with Yoshitatsu because I think it's different. It adds something different to the undercards in all Japan. Um, none of them are good, but they're at least somewhat interesting. And I do think, and he doesn't draw anymore. I mean, this show had 600 people, so you can't, he's not a draw in Japan anymore, at least not in this scenario. You know, if he did another, if he did his 19th retirement match, maybe, uh, but you know, it's different and I don't think it's doing any harm and I, I really don't mind it. And then the main event was a preview for the, triple crown match it was uh miyahara and yuma anzai over yuji nagata and yutaka yoshi rich if i told you yutaka yoshi was actually having a halfway decent year would you believe me <laughs> i wouldn't he's in my notebook like he first of all he's only 49 if you would have asked no. me his age i would tell you <laughs> there's no way really he's not even 50 okay i was in g1s in the early 2000s there's no way I've got him in my notebook. He had a six man tag on an all Japan show a couple months ago. And he was a, and he wasn't even like everyone else was great. And he was there. Like he was pretty good. And like, he was decent in this match. So it's like, I used to not be able to stand watching this guy. And he's, I, I have to admit, 
23 years later, he's turning the corner for you. It's unbelievable. So you can't dig your heels in, Joe. You cannot dig your heels in. You can't dig your heels in. Sometimes it takes 23 years for a guy to click for you, and that's that's, you're there with uh, your boy Yoshi. We move on to the 15th and Cork in 984 fans witnessed Atsuki Aoyagi defend the junior title against Kato Ashida in a neat and tidy 13-minute match. Very good. Very good. I'd go about three and three quarters for Aoyagi versus Ashida. It was all action. I thought Ashida had good presence, and I really enjoyed it. And then the main event was a notebook match as the All Japan Tag Team titles come back to All Japan. Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi defeat Kano and Manabu Soya. They defeat the Invaders, and they win the titles back. I would go maybe four and a quarter. Really good match. Um, I like the Miyahara Aoyagi team. We're going to talk about them some more here. And uh, that was a really, really good Cork and Hall main event um, and an excellent uh, semifinal, too, with the junior title. So I would definitely recommend both of those matches. There's some interesting stuff on the undercard. Uh, Fuminari Abe worked that show. Um, uh, Lindemann worked the undercard, but I haven't had time to watch undercards of stuff. I just, I'm still catching up from vacation and everything, so I, w- I only was able to watch the pertinent bouts. And then that brings us to the 17th from the Ota City Gym. They drew just under 2,000 fans for this. And we had, um, I did not get to the Kento Miyahara Yuma Aoyagi title defense against Atsuki Aoyagi and Rising Hayato. That's the one you said you just watched. I did. So yeah. very quickly, how was that? Uh, really good. Really, really good work. Yeah, it, it, it was stiff. It was not it was obviously not as stiff as the match we're going to talk about here in a, in a sec uh, with our boy Strong VJ and, and, and Violent Giants. But it was a little, little more stiff than you might think it was. Uh, Kento really, really good in this, and I was impressed by Oyagi and, and, and Rising Hayato and those, you know, not Yume Oyagi. I'm, I'm always a fan of Yume Oyagi, but uh, Atsuke Oyagi, I'm, I've always been kind of indifferent on him, not quite seeing it all the way. Same with Rising Hayato. I, I see the potential of those guys, but I never quite, it's never quite fully clicked with me. I thought they were real good here. And this is a very fast pace. It was 25 minutes, but they didn't stop moving. It was uh, just a, a, a tag match, boom, 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 big strikes, big moves back and forth. Uh, obviously, Miyohara and, and, and Yuma Aoyagi uh, win the match, retain the titles. But, uh, yeah, this was really good. It, it wasn't as good as Strong BJ, Violent Giants. Uh, and I don't think I liked it as much as I liked the main event. But it was really, really good stuff. And, and, and another – I mean, All Japan's been – every time I've watched All Japan this year, a match that I, th- I, th- I look at on paper and I go, hey, that sounds like it's going to be pretty good. It's been pretty good. And, and the matches that I look at and I go, that's going to suck. They usually suck. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, it was good. It, it, it definitely go out of your way to check it out. Uh, people listening to this, definitely watch the top three matches uh, of this show for sure. It's an easy watch. You can watch yeah. the whole show pretty much in, in a very easy sitting. I was able to do it as, as the show was going on. But um, no, it's top three you matches. the whole show? Yeah. Yeah. I saw everything. I mean, not that. Anything, anything worth no. mentioning on the undercard. <laughs> no. Okay. no. Now, um, Rising Hayato, I'm going to say. He is one of the most improved wrestlers in the world, along with Luke Jacobs and Connor Mills over the last year, year and a half. Um, Again, a wrestler that I never really saw much in a gimmick. I hate, you know, I don't like the icky man gimmicks. I I hate that kind of gimmick. Um, But with all of that working against him, I, I, his, he's been impressive. He's toned down a much improved. He's toned down a little bit on it, but what I will say in this match is he tried to do his like, shrug it off like smile thing and every time he did Kento Miyahara slapped him like real hard and then Hayato would come back at him hard again and it was like okay he was trying to slap the funny out of him you know what I mean be like 
come on, motherfucker, challenge me if you think you're a hotshot. And, and Hayato did. So, yeah, I think that, that you'll, you'll see when you watch it. He, he really ramped it up. He kind of plays it like Yamato. Yes. Where, yes. You know, like playing with the hair. Yeah, a little bit overtly. of like, uh, this, I'm kind of above yeah. all this. Or, ah, you know, it's yes. just another day at the office or whatever. And uh, you can't do that to one Kento Miyahara because he tried to do that once. He, he did. I forget what it was. He did a move, and he went and played with his hair, and Kento just slapped him upside the head. It was like, you don't fucking play with your hair when you're in the ring with me, motherfucker. And I will say, yeah, Hayato went right back at him and, and, and had a nice little back and forth after that. So uh, he's starting to maybe figure it out a little bit. All right, that's the one match I didn't have time to get to, um, and I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and watch it. But the match I did have time for, Strong BJ. And, you know, y- Yuji Okabayashi is taking some time off from wrestling. But um, he made time for this one. And he looks better than ever. Violent... <laughs> he looks better than ever, man. Don't go away. Yeah, I, I'm like... telling you, man. Th- this <laughs> rocks. <now. laughs> and they, they took on the Violent Giants. And, you know, if this would have been the Twin Towers with Suji and, um, and, Ko- and, and Sato, but Sato's kind of washed at this point. But uh, it was a derivative of that team, the, the, the Violent Giant team, with Suji, the, the real big dog, and Suwama. And, man, did they not channel 2015. Oh, God, was this great. I went four and a half on this fucking thing. This was a great, great match. I, I want to watch it because I didn't watch it with the crowd. I want to watch it again with the crowd because I was watching it with the sound off. And crowd these, was hot. These meat men slapping meat, hot, man. Rich. There was sweat flying everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I want to hear this. I got to hear this. So I, I'm going to go back and watch this because it looked, Joe, I don't think you're nuts with that rating. I, I really don't. I, I'm not going to give a rating because I didn't, you know, watch it with the sound or whatever. But from what right, I right. saw, it looked like these motherfuckers didn't stop either. This went 22 minutes, and these guys are these are old dudes. Suwama is, you know, we we've talked about him and, and where he's at in his career. Suji Ishikawa, we talked about a couple years ago that it might be done for him. He's looked pretty good though. Of everything I've seen with Suji this this last like couple of months, he he looks like he's okay. Like you know, it, it, he's it was not the same guy. We thought Look, he was done. Remember, like I thought he was over, and we were just. But yeah, he's, but he's not the same guy. Like, no, no, no. Twenty fifteen or so, you could argue he was like a top twenty wrestler. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. He's not there anymore. No, no, no. Those days are over. Like, d- don't think you're getting that because you're not. But when, but with these three guys, and I think Daisuke Sakamoto has lost a step, but he's now had two tag matches in the last two months that I thought were four and a half stars. Yeah, he, this is really good in this match. He was really good in this match, and, and he's a guy I've been kind of indifferent on for for a couple years uh, since as well. These were these were all guys that I haven't I, all uh, with the exception of Okabayashi. Okabayashi fucking rocks, and he's always rocked. But Sakamoto, yeah. Ishikawa, and Suwama are all th- three guys that I've kind of been like, yeah, they were great in 2015, but I'm starting Cold to kind of. Yeah. yeah, like lately, I'm I'm just kind of been like, eh, but man, not here. Well, time waits for no man, but this was like a time capsule. These guys, like, they took it back six, seven years, and it, you would have thought that this match took place in 2015. It really was great. Um, I, you know, the crowd was red hot for it. So, yeah, definitely go back and watch it with the crowd. And uh, I, I was surprised. I thought Okabayashi would lose since he's taking time off. But they, they Strong BJ not only won, but he, he got the pinfall. The pin. <laughs> yeah, he scored the pin. And, and you know he's he's not you know he was always a a stocky guy, but he he's you know he's he's in worse shape than he's ever been. And you could see he was preparing to take some time off. But the performance was great. And it's just so funny because I talked earlier tonight about Dangan Yankees bringing it back last month. Dangan Yankees, Strong BJ, and Violent Giants having these great t- – what year is this? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. It, you know, I'm not complaining. I like it. Let's bring like, it back. After so many years where it felt like Japanese wrestling just couldn't find it 
Yeah, it's fucking back. If 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 strong BJ and Dangin' Yankees are out here slapping meat and having great matches, I'm we're back, baby. We're back all the way. We got what's Yankee two Kenju up to? Let's get them all (laughs) right. Get the whole gang back together. Actually, we just watched them on the fucking uh, Big Japan show, right? They uh, Miyamoto and. uh, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, a, yeah, they just have a yeah, good match? Yeah. Hold on a second. They just had a Was it great? I forget second. if they had a great match. Let's 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 run that back. They, let me go let me look at the fucking notes. Uh yeah, they had that great match against uh 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 Kakuda and, and Yuki Ishikawa on the Big Japan show, remember? Oh, that's so right. Even, yeah. All right, we're we're back. We're back, baby. 2014. Well, all we're these here. fucking teams. Where's where's speeds of sound? I want <laughs> speeds of sound right now. Where are they? Fucking Senga and the other fucking guy. I don't remember their names. Fucking Dragon System guy. Get Case Low on the goddamn line so he can tell me who those guys were. Speeds of sound. But uh, no, this is crazy. All these teams from, you know, back in our Twitter prime, fucking killing it in these tag team matches lately. So, um, and then the main event. So, Yuji Nagata and Yuma Anzai. Uh, obviously Shotero Oshino wins the carnival, injures himself in the process. Uh, I don't know if you watched the T-Hawk title challenge of Yuji Nagata, but I thought that was an excellent match with Shota Oshino, with uh, Oshino watching from the fucking balcony with the cast on his arm. Yeah. And rooting on T-Hawk. And then then now they do Nagata versus Yuma Anzai. Obviously, Yuma Anzai, not even a year into his career, right? And he's has a triple crown title match here. Maybe he's a year in now, but a um, little less, I think. He's probably just at, 20, yeah. I forget where he's at, but he he's probably about a year. So yeah, let me find um, out when his first and, match and was. Twenty four years old, September twenty twenty two. So no, he still hasn't even gotten there yet. Not even a year in, and he's got obviously the look and the and the size. Eugene Nagata loves him. If he could, he would fucking kidnap him and bring him back to New Japan and stick right. him in the dojo tomorrow. <laughs> he might. Um, yeah, that might still happen. But um, he's been attached to the hip to this kid. And while they're biding time for Ashino to come back, he gets the big title match here. And look, am I going to sit here and tell you this is one of the greatest Triple Crown matches of all time? I'm not going to tell you that. Am I going to tell you it was worked precisely how it should have been worked with 55-year-old Yuji Nagata as Triple Crown champ and his young protege here who isn't ready for the spot? Everything Yuma Anzai got in this match was out of ferocity and he had to earn it. And... He, he never really pushed Nagata to the limit, nor should he have. It would have been a farce if they just went out there and had a classic back-and-forth Japanese world title match, lots of near falls, your turn, my turn. That wouldn't have worked for this story. And they didn't do that because Yuji Nagata's too smart to do that. And as a result, yeah, maybe it wasn't as good of a match as it could have been, but it was a more sensible match, and it was still a very good match, don't get me wrong. And, um, you know, we'll look back and this will remember that this was Yuma Anzai's first Triple Crown title shot. And I'd say the odds are pretty good he's going to win this title someday. It's not like they're overflowing with hot prospects in this company. And it's very clear to if he stays in the company. Let's make that clear, too, if he sticks around with all Japan. Um, yeah, so uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. What did you think of Yuji Nagata and Yuma Anzai? I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I saw some people, I, I saw some reviews and, and like cage match ratings and stuff like that where people were saying, oh, I was a little disappointed by this. I thought it was going to be a little bit more back and forth. Or I thought it, it shouldn't have been. Though. No, exactly. And that was that is exactly what I put in my notes is like, I don't understand why anybody that, that's not what the match was supposed to be. You have Yuji Nagata, like one of the legends of Japanese wrestling as the triple crown champion and a guy who's been wrestling since September of 2022, he shouldn't go in there 
and, and be able to counter all of Yuji Nagata moves. He shouldn't go out there. If he wins the Triple Crown at this point in his career, you know, less than a year in, like, well, well, no, that's not what that's not a good story to tell. Like, the story to tell is, hey, you're close, kid, but you're not quite there. Hey, yeah, you're learning. You're getting better, but you're not quite there. You're not ready for the Triple Crown yet. You're not ready for Yuji Nagata yet. And that's exactly what the story was, is that Anzai would get a little run, get a little run, get a little run, and then Yuji Nagata would put him to the mat and put him in an armbar, put him down on the mat, like try to, you know, really kind of say like, nah, man, yeah, you can you can hit me with these drop kicks and these these running knees. He, he threw so many running knees at Nagata because that was the best move he could do to Nagata is bounce off the ropes and and get into the air and hit that knee at Nagata. And that would bring Nagata down for a little bit. And then he'd have a little bit of a moment. But the second Nagata was then able to get leverage on his end, he'd bring Anzai right back to the mat and put him in an arm bar or put him in some sort of hold or whatever to kind of slow things out. And that makes all the sense in the world. That might not make for the best star rating match or whatever, but that's exactly how the story of Yuji Nagata and, and a guy who's less than a year into his career should be told. Nagata is the guy that's going to slow things down, put him in a hole, do that sort of stuff. Anzai, whenever he's going to have an opportunity, is going to fly and jump and moonsault and drop kick and flying knee and all that sort of stuff. And that's exactly what you got out of it. And yeah, the finishing stretch I thought was really good as well. Where they, you know, they, they, you know, Anzai, I forget what he did. I think he did a German suplex of some sort to Yuji Nagata. And I want to say, I don't know if it was that that got the one count or he did a flying knee afterward that got a one count. He got up, and then that was pretty much like he thought he had Nagata on the ropes. He thought he had Nagata done. Nagata gets, you know, kicks out at one, then throws in, you know, and then, then just ends it. You know, just just beats him one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And I, I think that was a perfect way to tell that story and just a smart way to tell the story that, like you said, that he's not ready and he shouldn't be ready. Like, it wouldn't – that's a terrible story if Anzai is just ready now. If he's just ready to go, then what the hell are you going to do for the next, you know, five years of this guy's career, the next couple of years of this guy's career? Can't have him win the triple crown right now, and especially not against a guy like Yuji Nagata. So I think they told the story perfectly. And I think Anzai, he's a guy who, you know, he came in with all that hype. And the first time I saw him, I was like, okay, this guy's great. And then I started to say, okay, I don't know if he's quite like this good as like people were putting him over as like, oh, this dude is the future and this guy is the. I don't know if he's quite there. I don't know if I've quite seen that yet, but this was a match that really made me say, okay. This guy is really, really fucking good for, for where he is so far in his career. He's got the presence. He's got the understanding of the crowd. He's got the understanding of how to work. He's, he can be a little sloppy at times still, but you can see the building blocks are there that this guy is going to be a very, very, very good wrestler. And yeah, like you said, whether that happens in all Japan or elsewhere uh, remains to be seen. But uh, I, I'm definitely I'm seeing it with him. He's not an all-timer yet. He's not there yet, but he, he's definitely you, you see it down the road that this guy is going to be very, very good. You kind of been dragging your feet with him, and I was going to ask you that. But, you know, like we said, he's not even a year in. There's New Japan Young Lions who are like three years in, four years in. This guy's not even a year in. The presence, so, it, it, the, 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 the understanding of what you're doing as a pro wrestler is one of the biggest things. The not, learning how to not play a pro wrestler and just be a pro wrestler. Kento Miyahara is a fucking pro wrestler. You know what I mean? The moment that guy walks through the curtain to the moment he walks out of the curtain, that he is a pro wrestler. He, his job is to get the audience excited about what's going on into him, into the moves, into everything. Like a lot of guys can't channel that right away. He's Ansai's got a little bit of that already. And that to me is the biggest, the moves and all that sort of stuff. You'll learn that you'll get that, that, that comes with time. Anybody can get pretty good at that. He's already pretty solid at that, but he's got that presence and that it factor that very few wrestlers that are you know less than a year in quite get and that's what has me highest on him is that this, this guy gets it gets it knows how to be a wrestler yeah um i think he's got obvious upside and um this was a good showing you know i'd go three and three quarters or something like that for this 
and you know Nagata was great leading him through it. Nagata's been really good. He has been. He's, I can't wait. Nagata. In 20 years, we're going to do a deep dive on this uh, Triple Crown run of Yuji Nagata, and I can't wait. It's going to be great. All right, I'll pencil that in. Yeah, pencil for, that in uh, for uh, 20. Uh, <laughs> when, do you, when do you want to do 2043? that? 2043. 2043, I guess. That's probably enough time. 10 years doesn't seem like enough, but but 20 seems like a good time to to revisit it. Yeah, 2043. Write that down in your notebook for do the deep dive, Yuji Nagata's Triple Crown run. We'll be almost 35 years into this show. <laughs> And we still won't be on video. Oh, hell no. I'm not doing video. Are you kidding? As I get older, I'm going to be less inclined to do video. And you'll have to be on the $3,500 tier to listen to that deep dive. (laughs) Now, is that because of inflation or we just become like the greediest fucking assholes in the world? Little little A, little B. Okay, okay. Little little A, little B, you know. Cost of living uh, will have risen, but also our, our demands will have risen as well. Cost of living will have risen. The oceans will have risen. Houston will be underwater. Miami won't exist. Um, you know, it'll be wild times, Rich. But, uh, but you know, we're going to have to make do. Uh, Dakota uh, Jones 20. says, Joe to remember, might be in 1995 by then as well. That'll be a hot might period. Might be. be a hot period to cover, too, man. Wrestlepalooza coming up soon. That's so. right. <laughs> Gotta get excited Speaking of that. which, hey, I'm glad that came up. So, uh I got a hold of the Todd Gordon book. Oh, okay. I, I got a hold of an advanced copy of Todd is God, Rich. So that's exciting. I'm going to uh, <laughs> blow God. through that. Well, that's an old. Okay, you must not be. I don't know, because that seems a little strong. But yeah, maybe you'll have to tell me why Todd is it's, God. It's, it's, it's ECW lore. It's an old uh, sex story at, at the infamous uh, <laughs> of course hotel where. Is. Yeah, so you can imagine where this is going. Uh, but um, yeah, it uh, no, but I got an advanced copy of the uh, of the Todd is God, so I have to blow through that uh, this weekend. I think that's going to be an excellent supplement to the because you know the next couple of Jovembers are the Eddie Gilbert exit from the company, and then the Ultra Class show, which is the debut of Public Enemy, and you know the first show without Eddie Gilbert. Uh, you know because you know. Ty Gordon and Heyman had to take over uh, the booking of that show and everything. So I, I, I want to get through, but yeah, I was uh, passed along a uh, secret advanced copy of Todd is God by a, uh, a friend of ours. That's there it is. Say, Rich. All right. Um, that, that, that's very exciting news. Paul I saw Heyman. that. Like, wow, Unbelievable. The wise man sending you advanced copies. Of Paul books. Heyman coming through. Absolutely. Dan Green says the bloodline story is still going on at that point too. But, but, Yes, in four years. Yes. Nobody's bitch is right. He's just about had enough, though. <laughs> I think at that point, he's 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 at his right. wit's end. He's right about He's like, you know what, man? I can't keep doing this. I'm done, I think. Yes. Yes. Possibly. Nobody's bitch. I'm Did nobody's you... bitch, for the record. But Well, I guess we should bring it up. Did you watch Jay Uso finally turn on no. Roman two weeks ago? No I, no, I don't care. Okay. Yeah, I don't care. Oh, wait, no, no, I did. I did. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Never mind. Yeah. You know. Well done, Angle. Hey, finally, they some finally like it. did it. It's not my cup of tea, but they finally did it. At least, at least there was some advancement to the fucking story. It did change. The story did finally change, which is nice. I'm not gonna bury them for finally moving the story along. I'm not gonna do that. Okay. Do I care? I still don't care. I still can't get into it. But uh, at least they moved it along. Anyway, that's all Japan. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, what do we got? One more topic here? Uh, two more. We'll do one real, real quick here. The uh, Noah N1. Um, there, it's coming up. Oh, August I haven't 6th. seen these. Yeah, I, August 6th. So uh, th- that's when the tournament starts. We have the A block and the B block of the Noah N1 victory. A block is Jake Lee, Kano, Masakitamiya, Jack Morris, Yoshiki, uh, Yoshiki Inamura, Timothy Thatcher, Adam Brooks, and mm. Yuki Yoshioka from Dragon Gate. Mm. There's your A block there. That's a big, that's, that's a little bit of juice that's there. That's a tasty block. That is a tasty little block. You got um, this on the run sheet? I want to take a it's look. It's at, at the bottom of the run sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One sec. I got a dog scratching a water bowl. Apparently, I, there's not sufficient water in this bowl. Give me give me one minute. <laughs> He's All not right. going to stop. So Dog, dogs running things here. All right. Uh, a block. Jake Lee, Kano, Masakitamiya, Jack Morris. Game 7, 1991 World Series hero. Yoshiki Inamura, Tim Thatcher, Adam Brooks, Yuki Yoshio. That's a nice looking block. Jake Lee versus Yoshioka. No, no, I don't have water, but that's Jake. fine. Some nice looking matches in that block. This looks pretty good. Yeah, the B block: uh, Goshiozaki, uh, Nakajima, uh, Hiodel uh, Wagner Jr., uh, Manaba Soya, uh, Ina- uh, Inaba uh, Saxon Daiki Huxley. Inaba. Yeah, Daiki Inaba, Lance Anawai, Lance Anawai. Yes. Oh God! No! No! <laughs> no! Yeah. <laughs> And then Yuma Anzai, which is why I included it in this um, uh, right. run sheet here. Now, this is interesting because he claims, and I wanted to kind of loop this all in. That's why I did it in, the, in this order. He claims, and, and far be it for me to, to, to assume that a wrestler or a pro wrestling company would be making up an injury or faking that they were injured if they're not or whatever. He claims that during the, the match with Yuji Nagata, he suffered a left triceps tear. It is then reported by All Japan and Anzai that he's going to miss events through July 2nd. He said that he hopes to be back before July 8th. I, that sounds dubious. Yeah. Dubious. So he, yeah. He either gotta he, be honest. he doesn't have a triceps tear because you right. cannot come back from a triceps tear that quickly. Or he does have a triceps tear. And maybe he shouldn't be coming back in the, in a week. He, they do this big announcement, and the headlines are like, you know, major announcement. Yuma Anzai, torn tricep. And I'm like, oh, motherfucker, this guy's going to be gone for a year. And he's like, I'll be gone two weeks. And it's like, hold on a minute. I don't, that doesn't fit the story. So I don't know what's going on here. I, I, I don't know. Are they, are they working an injury here? Are they trying to, like, because then when the N1 things came out and I saw him in the N1, I was thinking, is this just a cover for him maybe being like 500 in the end one, but they don't want him to make it feel like he was just kind of middle of the road and maybe he's middle of the road because of this injury that you cannot have a left tricep tear and, and be back in two weeks. You just can't. Or if you can, you right, shouldn't right, be. Right. It's one or the other. If anybody tells me, oh, well, a, maybe it's just a partial tear. No, either you, <laughs> either you tear it and you're out for a long time, or if it's a partial tear, you probably shouldn't be working on it. That's probably not going to go well for you. So it's got to be one so- or the other. A little work injury where he loses to arm bars and shit like this that. This is what I'm wondering. I don't know. I'm just I'm putting my 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 tin foil cap on, thinking this there's something to miss here when I hear less left tricep tear and that I'll be out for a week. Yeah, yeah, no, there's something uh there's something not right about that. You're right. I like these blocks though. They're really good, I, yeah. I, that A block, I, man. I this- that A block's juicy, man. Jay Kano and Adam Brooks, Kano and, and, and Yuki Yoshioka, uh, Kitamiya in there with, with those guys. You know, Jack Morris, who I have been, I have liked. There's a lot of good stuff there. 
That, that people, the B block's not bad either. There's a lot of good stuff in that B block too. No, the blocks are good. They put they put the reformed Axis in the same block. So we'll get Shiozaki versus Nakajima. Hio del Dr. Wagner Jr. is another wrestler who's much improved. Yeah, he's had he's a good, good year. Um, I think if they're going to bring Lance Anoai, did they? Is he being billed from MLW? Please tell me he is. Uh, as far as um, I know, no. But I can I can double check to see. They they just listed his name. They didn't have like you know the parentheses company next to him. Like like for Yoshioka, they put parentheses Dragon Gate. Anzai put parentheses All Japan. I don't know if they said anything for Lance Anoai. So someone should bring him in with Manu and do their own little bloodline. Since it's hot. <laughs> yeah, they probably should. Right. What's Black Pearl up to? Bring bring in all of the <laughs> Manu. Yeah, yeah. You want the the the, yeah. the on the fringes member of the Anoai family? I'll come yeah. out. And... All the brothers that didn't quite make it. Bring them all in. Do and someone do bloodlines. It's you know it's hot. So, um, Manu's got to still be working, right? Manu's still working, right? Manu. Yeah, he's got to still I, be working, right? Yeah, he's working some indie. I, I, he was working that indie that Snitsky works, I think. <laughs> Which one would that be? <laughs> I don't know if I know which indie Snitsky's working. It's, but, it's on IWTV, I think. Oh, okay. Right, if, well. if Peltier is still in the chat, he'll let us he'll know because he yeah. watches it. So he, he, um, Are there that many yeah. others? I'm trying to think of how many others you have on the fringes there. There's well, really there's, not. Well, there's Jacob There's Jacob Fatu. Jacob Fatu, yeah. Lance Anoa'i. Manu. Black Pearl. Um. <laughs> Are they are they managed by uh, what's his face? Uh, he was he was L.A. Smooth in ECW. I forget what, I forget what his first actual name is. You know who I'm talking about, right? Well, that was Rosie and and Samu. No, 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 ECW no, no, guy. no. Who was L.A. Smooth? He was another one. Lloyd Lloyd Anoa'i was L.A. Oh, Smooth. That's Black Pearl, I think. Oh, is that the same guy? I think okay. it's the same. Yeah, I think right. so. Well, Let me, all right. I coughed. Um, that, that's different. So, so we got Manu and Lance Anoa'i are two that we're doing here. It's not a great, not a great bloodline, but yeah. But I'm saying a desperate indie, yeah. Um, can try to take. No, Black Pearl is not Lloyd. Oh Hold shit! On. Okay, so we have another one then. We got we got La Smooth can come out there. Hold on with this. Is he? A, I don't even know I'm if he's gonna... a shoot Anoa'i or not. I think he might be a working Anoa'i. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, the Tahitian warrior Fred Williams. You're right. He's. I don't remember one of those names. I just remember him under L.A. Smooth. I don't think he could still work. I think he'd have to be a manager at this point. I, I would assume he's he's he's, he's, he's probably older, old. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's an older guy. He um, you're he he's not the East. Okay, he wasn't one of the Samoan gangsta party in ECW. He was ECW. He was Tahitian warrior in early ECW. Oh, okay. I think that's where you okay. might be confused. Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like as Samoan warrior or some shit, or Tahitian warrior or something like that. Um, so he, the Samoan gangster party was Samu and Rosie, I think. Let me, let me, but not under those names. Um, yeah, Rosie was. Uh, let me get you the gimmick name. <laughs> Maddie Small. It was Maddie Smalls and Sammy Silk. Okay, but okay. you're but, but see, he also teamed with L.A. Smooth as the Samoan Gangsta Party and other indies. Well, now that we have that straightened out, yes, now that yes, that's all the, clear. Okay, we're just looking for any Anawise out here. We'll, we'll even make we'll make some work in Anawise too. I mean, it, it won't well, be that hard. Okay, 
well, you can't have Rosie. He's dead. Yeah, he's a tough kid. Yeah, he's tough to book these days. But Rosie and Samu, Samu of the Samoan SWAT team, he was Sammy Silk. Rosie was Maddie Smalls. And L.A. Smooth was not, he was there years, he was in ECW years. He's just an East Coast indie guy. But yeah, you're right. He's older. He's like in his 50s. Yeah. So. But available. Uh, but available hey, if you need to book him. Samu just did some shots with him. Yeah, but beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you gotta you gotta pick you gotta right. bring whoever you can bring in. So um if if, if Hey, yeah. someone brought off Sean Maluda. Oh Sean Maluda, great. Yeah, from the, the, the Cruiserweight Classic. Sky's the He's limit. In that fucking Flagship Patreon.com. Yeah, yeah. He's an in-law or something, right? But Yeah, I, I I dug it into it. I forget what exactly. It's it's like very loose, but it's not it's not loose enough that he doesn't use it all the time. You know what I mean? Like Right, right. I think of the Cruiserweight Classic is like, yeah, I'm a member of the Anawa family. <laughs> I'm like, ah, right, what kind of? I mean, it's like, I forget exactly. He's he's very loose, very loose, if I remember correctly. It's it's something like, I think he's the nephew of, I'm looking at my notes here, the nephew of Afa. The nephew of Afa. Right, but on the mother's side or something. Yes, he's yeah, he's, he's loose. He's very loose. But hey, you know what? Right, probably got him pretty far in the biz, and I think he worked for. Does Alpha he acknowledge the tribal chief? He acknowledged. Um, shit for. They'll pay trans. He'll he'll acknowledge the tribal chief for sure. I I, I assume Sean Maluda would. All right, someone in the chat is implying that the Cosmic Commander sent me my copy of Todd is God. <laughs> okay, listen. The Cosmic Commander has been dead for thirty years. Okay? <laughs> yeah, that so, would be cool it, if he sent you. That, that would be really cool. But I, 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 I don't. I, yeah, I don't think he's the one sent. I wish he was alive. That would be great. And if he were alive, I'd track him down. Believe me, um, I've tracked down harder. But um, unfortunately, that's not um, that's not possible. Yeah, hard to so. hard to get in touch. Hard to get in touch with these days. No, I would need a Ouija board or, <laughs> to uh, get in touch with the Cosmic Commander. Yeah, or some type of. Uh, uh, what do you call a medium? I need to get in touch. Who was that? Uh, I, uh, television I, John medium? Roberts. Right? Wasn't it John Roberts? Who was the guy that? I don't think it was John Roberts. Hold on. Let, let, no, I John Roberts is the guy. chief justice. Of the United States. different Roberts, but uh, oh, fuck. John Edward, John Edwards. That's it. Yeah. Or was he the congressman? Who well, he was also a congressman. Scandal. I think he was both. He was also, he was. I a... think one is John Edward and one is John Edwards. Oh, God damn it. You're right. I think. Right. John Edwards. Is the is the politician? Who yeah, got John Edward. John Edward is the 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 paranormal. And John Edward psychic. is the paranormal. Yes, right. The right. psychic medium or whatever. I think that's what you would call him. What yeah. the fuck was the name of his show? It was, Crossing uh, over, wasn't it? Yeah, he would like stand behind people in the crowd and go, "Your uncle Gene, I feel is present." They'd be like, "I do have an uncle Gene." Like it was <laughs> fucking crazy. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah sort of. He would also use like, uh, "Is anybody in the room?" Uh, Ever had any uh, a tragedy in their lives? <laughs> like, you know, right, somebody right, be like, yeah, "Oh, all, I did." Yeah. He's like, "Okay, okay." Like, you know, it's like, "Of course, yeah." Uh, I feel that uh, somebody in your family may have, you know, died before they were ready to pass away. And he, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, you have some some desperate housewife leaning over to her to her friend, going, "That's amazing. I did have a tragedy in my life. That's amazing." <laughs> right, right. Oh, he, he's talking he about that? Tim. He's talking about Tim. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but wow, it works, man. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of ratings. Yeah, but how did he know? How did he know it was Tim? I don't know. We'll never That's know. That's incredible. I had a relative who died young. They're like they're like whispering <laughs> through their teeth, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. How did he know? 
you know <laughs> john edward yeah that was a good he's run and then it was over and then it was over and who the fuck knows what happened to him after that so he's, i'm sure run. he's still Maybe. he's stuck he's got to be going around the circuit still right Maybe a solid three years he had, right? Yeah, it didn't like, last uh, long. I, he, 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 his last book was 2012, so I think it's over. I think it's over. Oh, well, okay. Um, who was the one that that would come on the Montel Williams show? <laughs> I don't remember. Do you remember? I don't remember. That. Hold, hold on. The, the Mont- psychic on the Montel. I feel like I watch Montel sometimes, but not not enough to Montel know who the psychic Williams, was. Psychic lady was. Sylvia Brown, that was it. Yeah, look, Sylvia I don't remember Brown. Sylvia Brown. She said she was born with a flap of skin over her eyes, and that's how you know she's the real deal. Like, oh. if you're born with a flap of skin over your eyes, you've got the special gift. Ooh, okay. Like, she predicted his MS, and then he became, like, a believer after that because, you know, he obviously thought that was, like, amazing, you know? So he would have her on the show all the time, Sylvia Brown. Yeah. That was her name. That, th- those those mediums were real hot there. Oh, they were. Remember I was going to say, long... that, that territory has died, man. Nobody is doing the medium thing anymore. They're, magic and mediums were, like, real hot from 1999 to, like, 2004. You know, Chris Angel at the top of his game uh, on, on TV. You know, David Blaine fucking hanging around in ice and shit. <laughs> and then, yeah, John Edward. We had a, we had a big run. The, we had a big uh, run there for a while. Do you remember the Long Island medium, Teresa Caputo, with the big hair, married to the mobster? <laughs> I, do, I do remember, remember her. <laughs> Teresa Caputo. Let me pull her up. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Caputo. There the she most, is. The most the big hair. The most Long Island name ever, Teresa Caputo. <laughs> yeah. God married to like, the mobster. Why was, so Why was her hair so big? Why was her hair so big? Oh Look my god, hair. her hair—that's a good. Let me tell you, that's a good skill for a mob wife. She could be like, "Listen, that racketeering you're getting mixed up in—it's not going to end well. You you got to get out of that <laughs> that money laundering you're doing down at the uh, at, the, at the massage parlor. You might want to get get out of that because the horse track. Know, yeah, the horse track. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, she could predict the winners down at the track. Like you could definitely use that for evil, like if you wanted to, right? Like, um. Look at her son. Her son looks like a goomba. <laughs> I'm uh, looking at the family. Uh, that that looks like a, the Caputo family, indeed. Larry Caputo. Larry Caputo from Long Island. <laughs> Look at her husband. That guy's whacked some people. Oh, yeah. He has whacked some He has killed people, and, and might guy. kill again at some he, point, yeah. Yeah. He he. There are bodies on the bottom of the Long Island sound that he's responsible for. <laughs> this guy right here. With the, Look at the soul patch, too. The, soul, the soul patch. patch. <laughs> what was his name? Angelo Caputo? What was it? Uh, you just said it, well, Larry. Larry. Larry Caputo. Larry Caputo. Not yeah. much of a mob name, but look at him. He got the, <laughs> he's tan. Always tan. He got that olive skin, right? That that's that's murderous skin right there. This Larry Caputo. Acid, acid washed jeans. Yeah, that dude. That he's killed. Yeah. Oh yes, absolutely. Look at that soul patch. I was rocking that soul patch for like six, seven years. Yeah? Right around that Hell time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I had the soul patch. I go more with the full. I, I do the one day growth look now. Yeah, I do that. The stubble. I do the stubble look too. You know? Yeah. I could yeah, yeah. TLB loves the loves the stubble. I got a couple grays in there. It makes her real horny. She loves that shit. Um, but yeah, I had the soul patch for a while there, like this Caputo guy here. I had that when it was uh I guess you know, when cool. Batista had the soul <laughs> yeah, patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh the guy the guy from uh uh what's the band from the the fucking Shrek song? <laughs> Smash uh, Mouth. 
with the Smash Mouth guy had yeah, it too, yeah. right? Didn't he have the? Oh yeah, soul oh patch? yeah, famous soul patch. All star, right? Isn't that the song? Yeah, of course. Somebody once <laughs> told me the world. Yeah, that. Guy. I know Billy Bob yeah, Thornton yeah, was rocking it for a couple years there too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was fucking Jolie, he had it. When he was fucking Angelina Jolie, and they were exchanging vials of blood. Remember oh yeah, yeah. They got real freaky. Yeah, real freaky out there. Let me tell you something. If Angelina Jolie wanted me to exchange vials of blood, I'm exchanging vials of blood. Oh, in t- I, 2002, uh, 2002, yeah. Angelina Jolie for sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Whatever she wants. She can have. Yeah. She can have all of my blood. Just hook it up to my fucking veins. Just take my yeah. Do whatever you want with my blood. You could play with my blood. Whatever you want to do, Angelina. It's 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 your call. Um, yeah, I'm still looking at this Teresa Caputo man. <laughs> the hair is unbelievable. I don't get it. Just fucking fantastic, fantastic hair. Um, <laughs> God damn it, Long Island. <laughs> Long Island medium. <laughs> She has to have like a fucking. Uh, I wonder if she has her own channel on like uh, what what are those things called? Like the Impact Channel and the fucking. Oh, like one of the weird, uh, yeah, the one of the weird streaming. There, there's a term for on, it, but I forget what it is. But yeah, I don't know what they're called either. Like on Zumo my, or something my, like that, or one of those weird. My, ones. Yeah. Like my Samsung TVs have all these channels. Like if you press the wrong button, I'm like, what is this shit? And it has like all these channels on <laughs> yeah. the Samsung TV. Yeah. Like, like, it's just like family ties 24 hours a day. I'm like, but then, but then I get caught up in it. Like I'll put on the family ties, you know, and I'm like, oh, all right. I'll watch a little, I haven't seen. They're pretty good. I'll pop the Pluto on every so often and just like randomly select a channel. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll watch, you know, 19 straight episodes of supermarket sweep. Why not? I got nothing else going on. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, you know, I'm like, I, I mock it at first. You know, I'm like, who's watching Family? And then I'm seven episodes deep, and I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> With the randomly inserted I, I, commercials at the worst possible times because it's not actually, like, programmed in properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the commercials aren't where they're supposed to be, right? <laughs> it's like the middle of a key scene, you know. But um, I turn around, and I'm like, oh, shit, I left the kids at school. I, I'm on episode seven of, of Family Ties. I, I, and I've know, seen the same Honey Nut Cheerios commercial 19 times. But... <laughs> yes. Yes. The same commercial over and over. <laughs> so I'm wondering if, if Long Island Medium has. Oh, has I'm a, sure. There's got to be. Yeah, there's got to be. Because I, I found Fear Factor the other day. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, else. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, because the, they're like from 2002. First of all, Joe Rogan's wardrobe on that show. Because it was like the style was like super baggy. Like, you don't remember that. But like. He would wear like these super baggy jeans and these big sweatshirts that like came that were so baggy they covered his hands. Like you could only see the tips of his fingers coming <laughs> was, out the end of the. It sweatshirt. was a look, man. I don't know what was going yeah. on in the early two thousands, but it it was a look. And they'd for have sure. like one big, it'd be like a cream sweatshirt, oversized fingertips coming out of the fucking sleeve with a big red stripe in the middle, just a big red stripe going across your titties, and then he then like big baggy jeans that were frayed on the bottom and maybe like a black boot. Like that was his outfit on these shows. And, and, you know, he had the, the, the fucking 2002 haircut and all the competitors on, you know, and they're like eating donkey testicles and shit. You forget how disgusting that was. And that like, was on like it, it was really main television. It was on like CBS. Or main television. Yeah, like... Main television. They're like, we've got these moths from, from Namibia and Africa and we've got their larvae and you have to chew the larvae 
and spit it into a beaker and the guts have to cross the red line and the first team to do it wins $5,000. And you're like, I'm not doing that for $50,000. These people are bare, they're like not even winning anything good and they're spitting moth larvae guts into a beaker and trying to cross the red line. That show was was ridiculous. Then they're doing like just stunts with cars and the cars flipping over. I can't believe nobody died making that show. That show was out of control. But yeah, I watched like nine episodes of Fear Factor the other day. And this always happens when I accidentally press a button on my remote. I never go to that shit on You purpose. hit the home button like, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> or you hit channel up yeah, and you're like, I yeah. don't know what I just did. Oh God. Or fucking Miss Maggie Moo steps on the remote and it, like I'm trying to watch the game and then it's like I'm on the Fear Factor 24-7 channel and then I'm just, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'll leave this on. They're chewing moth larvae. I'll check this out for a few minutes. <laughs> well, you, Joe, you're in luck. You nailed it. Fubo TV has the Long Island Medium stream, a uh, 24-hour uh, a, a day stream of Long Island Medium episodes on Fubo TV. If you want to go uh, stream, unbelievable those online. So, unbelievable. See, I fucking knew it. She's still <laughs> making money TV. off of that shit. She's still making money off of that shit. You know who's an absolute fucking whore? I'm gonna tell you, Rich. Gordon Ramsay. His shows are all over those things, and he's got like a million shows too. Oh yeah, he's yeah. got Hell's Kitchen. He's got the fucking um, kitchen nightmares, English and British, like like American and British versions of Kitchen Nightmare. Um, he's got the fucking uh, the the chef gimmick with the little kids. He's got the 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 three level fucking, next level next mil- level chef next level chef, and they're all on those fucking Pluto TV. Oh yeah, yeah. twenty four hours a day. That guy is because just- cooking shows are the ones that people like. Someone in the note of chat was talking about. There's an Iron Chef channel that they watch all the time. Like yeah, th- those that that's perfect for like. One more episode, sit down. Like it's in the on in the background, and you're just kind of like not really paying attention, but sort of paying attention. Then you're hooked for two hours. Yeah, yeah, you're you're locked in. You know, you're you're locked in. Um, yeah, but uh, always accidental. You never watch that shit on purpose. Oh no, no, never. You never never flipping over to that on purpose. Um, should we push AC Mac to next week? Like this was uh, um, squeeze it in. Kind of out of time here. Yeah, maybe we should give him a little bit more time. I, I feel bad stuffing him in here at the end here. So yeah, well, let's let's talk AC Mac next week. Well, I mean, the fucking retirement ain't going anywhere. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's not know. coming back. Well, if he comes back this weekend, then there's no need to talk about his retirement. Well, well but... he's having a match. He's having a match in July. So. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. No. No rush. We'll, we'll get we'll get to him when we get to him. So. Um, way over time. Yeah, we'll do it next week. We'll do do Daisy Mac next week. I actually wanted to watch a couple of his, his final because I know he was doing a lot of loser, loser leaves town matches uh, on the run. I, I watched a few of them, but I want to actually watch most of them. So I, it's actually a pretty good idea to maybe wait till next week to do that. So we will talk about AC Mac next week. Big hook uh, for next week's show, of course, here on the flagship. Might be a very uh, indie, American indie heavy uh, show next week. We've got week. another segment plan. Yeah, segment yeah. Plan. So it'll be an American indie heavy uh, segment on, on next week's flagship. But uh, yeah, we were way over time because we were too busy talking about Long Island Medium on Fubo TV uh, and and other various uh, Pluto things. Supermarket Sweep Channel rocks. Watch it. Um, anyway, that is it for us. Again, instant reaction live this Sunday at flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, voices of wrestling.com slash patreon. $10 tier for that. We are going to go live immediately following the show. So if that sounds interesting to you, just subscribe today. There is no point in waiting until Sunday. Just subscribe today. Then you will be all set to go and ready for 
Sunday night. And as I said, make sure you're there live with the chat room as well. It's a fun, fun time in the chat room. We're all talking. We're all discussing the show. Uh, There's usually a very big crowd in there, a very active crowd talking until all hours of the night uh, about the show that they just watched. So that is coming up this Sunday for Bindor Instant Reaction Live. And, uh, yeah, for all the other stuff, Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, make sure you subscribe, like us on whatever podcast app you use, VoicesOfWrestling.com as well for previews, reviews, columns, and all that other uh, good stuff. Also, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord uh, if you want to join the conversation on Discord. So that is Joe. I'm Rich. We'll talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself... How many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.